Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Bowles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SU Nation Network. And joining me once again is the Commissioner, Jude Seymour, and the Chief Inspector, Brendan McAlinden. Fellas, we, I mean, we can't have any sporting event other than fencing where it's like a damn heart attack. Uh, Notre Dame winning in overtime tonight uh, against North Dakota in the NCAA hockey tournament. Trying to hose us with, with, with four different clocks, two lights, uh, and a whole bunch of nonsense. Twelve a twelve fucking minute review. Uh, this is incredible. This is what being an Notre Dame fan's all about, I suppose. I'm excited. Um, I, I really, really wish I could go. Albany is not that far from me. I really wish I could go. Um, but you know, Thursday. Thursday night games uh, during the work week. So it's a it's a tough one, but uh, glad to see the boys prevail and, and move on to Saturday. I just uh, I'm just interested to see what kind of game plan the uh, Screaming Eagles uh, put together. I mean, coaches Craig T. Nelson's a pretty accomplished coach. <laughs> so I mean, he has a national title. I mean, he just goes by coach. Yeah, he's got everybody. a national title, so um, I'm very intrigued to see what uh, what he can get his boys to do up there, uh, what sort of game plan they put together. Uh, they, had a, they had a fight back, uh, a Harvard comeback uh, earlier in the day. Oh, that was nuts. That was absolutely – I couldn't – tw- over 12 minutes of review, and I mean I guess as a 
as a lifelong Notre Dame football fan, you're just number one, you knew that they were going to hose you on that. But number two, you kind of had a sinking feeling in your gut that you were going to get fucked in overtime too. Right? Like it just, that just feels like the next step. And that uh, well, Graham Slagger put that to bed real quick. So. It, it cannot be worse than the CCHA uh, championship in which the, a winner was right. declared. A trophy was given out. The referees went home. <laughs> they decided, oops, <laughs> I mean, that's, the ESPN was telling me how professional that was for the how they handled that though. Like, oh, like, okay, uh, maybe they could have professionally handled it about an hour faster. I mean, I think now is the time to really grab the sport by the balls and help it grow. You know, <laughs> I think it's it's a it's a great time you know to to bring the sport to make it bigger uh, for fans. And you do shit like that. It's just like that's just so. <laughs> it's so incredible. Uh, all right. Well, on to Saturday. Uh, Notre Dame's men's basketball uh, screwed themselves, really. But, you know, it's a heavy dose of these. This might be the worst officiated NCAA basketball tournament I've ever seen in my life. It's not great. And everywhere for every <laughs> game against it's a, and even in that Texas Tech game, it wasn't like. Texas Tech was getting all the calls, good calls. It was shitty all the way around. It's just so bad. It's like it's pretty noticeable. Playground play. If you just played playground rules, it would be a cleaner game. I mean, the play. I understand the the uh, spirit. I understand the rule of the grabbing the jersey from behind. Uh, but the 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 little the little bit of pinching uh, that was done there for it to be called a flagrant foul. Is incredible, especially when you miss uh, calling a guy grabbing a rim first before he dunks it. It's just- yeah, one the the inbounds the 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 dunk that they called off. I mean, they ended up hitting a three anyway. But I mean, right in in the end, you make your free throws and you're going to be playing Duke. Right? Exactly, exactly. And so I, I oh. like for as bad as the refs were, like they they fucked themselves. Just not right. like it was absurd. It's definitely not the why the first thing I mentioned was the refs, but it was it's just been this whole tournament. But the free but free throws for Notre Dame in the tournament, it has just been awful. That's how you can't you, you shouldn't be no one should be allowed to call this a shooting team if you can't make sixty percent of your fucking free throws. <laughs> can't make fifty percent of your three free throws. Yeah, my God. So that sucked. Uh, what didn't suck was uh, the women curb stomping Oklahoma. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> I mean, what a what a gorgeous day that was. Uh, did you see the Did you see the stat that the the women's team is the only team in NCAA men's or women's history to beat a higher ranked seed by forty or more? Like yes, oh yes, it's it's awesome. You know, the fun thing about the women's tournament is that there is really some sideways action that go, can, can go on, but I never would have imagined that kind of sideways action. Like never. That was incredible. And the fact that the starters were still out there <laughs> in the middle of the fourth. Uh, and I, and I, I wanted to see the reaction between Oklahoma's coach and, and Ivy at the end of the game and the handshake. And if you read lips from the Oklahoma coach, she literally said, thank you. Like, <laughs> what? like what? Let what Brian Kelly said to Steve Sarkeesian in uh, 2014. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but but Sark let up. 
Yeah. Ivy didn't. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, she won. She wanted that that massive, uh, you know, point difference. And that's cool. Good. Hey, we still got games to win. We got NC State coming up on uh, that. Is that Saturday in the afternoon? Like early afternoon? It'd be a big Saturday of Notre yes. Dame news. Yeah. It's definitely um, it's definitely early afternoon. I think it's like it's got to be like maybe one. You should know this. Yeah, I know it's it, I know it's right. Yeah, we should I know all know that, this. Um, I was talking to a guy because we have a uh, our club has a our, our alumni club has a uh, a book club and we're meeting at three to talk and he said you know I think the women's game will be over by then so my recollection was yeah, like, I mean, looking it up was like one o'clock. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's easy enough to to, to find real quick, but I, I'm pretty, I'm sure, sure that's an early game. And then uh, the hockey, hockey, I'm not sure if that's hockey's going to be at six thirty. Six thirty, okay, man, yeah. yeah, that's a day. Yeah, that is a day. Definitely, yeah, get some stuff going. Well, my my plans for Saturday, uh, whew, busy, 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 good stuff. Good stuff. Ooh, eleven thirty. On the on the women's basketball game. Yeah, yeah. See, that's there. It is. I thought it was like a kind of a really. That's real early. Yeah. I don't even think the men ever play that early. Do they? No. I think the men maybe no. maybe a nooner, but eleven thirty. I mean, as we record this podcast right now, we got NCAA men's tournament games going on. Late, you know, late. It's it seems yeah. kind of ridiculous. Real shame about Michigan, 16. by the way. Real yeah, shame yeah. Michigan. Yeah, real, real, real torn up about that. Real torn up. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's like uh, that, I don't know like how we'll go on. Jerry Seinfeld uh, gif of like him leaning back and ah, it's a shame. It's a real shame. It's gif, Jude, on the it birthday of the man who created it. It is gif. Okay. I'm not gonna die on this particular hill. Sure, <laughs> go for it. You do you. <laughs> I just I saw. Did you did you know that, Brendan? I knew that it stands for graphics interchange format GIF. No, I'm talking about the uh, the guy that that created it. Today's his birthday, or the oh. it's either the birthday or the, or the first time a GIF ever came across a computer screen or some shit like that. It's an important day for the GIF. Is all I'm saying. Wouldn't want it for the GIFer. Hey, you know what? That's a, that that's get the bumper sticker. <laughs> I think that'll work. Um, and then just one more bit of uh, Notre Dame athletics news. Uh, Notre Dame fencing. Got the NCAA tournament going on right now in South Bend. Um, don't Not sure if Mike Elston and his family are uh, attending this year, but, uh, but they are number one after day one. So uh, we'll see how that, uh, that ends up going. They're usually pretty well for the Irish there. It's a strong fencing team, so. I just you got to keep you got to keep Grace Hall lit up because ND baseball got number one and then went out and got swept by Louisville, <laughs> uh, which was the first which was the first ACC series that Link Jarrett has lost. So that so they uh, pr- pretty long streak there, but uh, pretty awful series for Notre Dame uh, against Louisville down in uh, Louisville. Whoa! Goes drop a time radio. Drive Time Radio was probably uh, fire that afternoon. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. That's that's like that's like that's like beating the Notre Dame football team. That's they'll take that to the bank. 
like uh oh what, Jude, what's this what's Tiddlywinks? It's like if, if Louisville <laughs> would be Notre Dame at Tiddlywinks, fucking Louisville drive time radio would be going to static. I knew that we could do it against the Irish. We're better than them at Tiddlywinks. We're the best damn Tiddlywinks team you ever saw. Overrated. <laughs> Oh, shit. No one can pick up jacks as well as we can. (laughs) Oh, shit. Hey, I was going to tell you guys, Brennan, that escape room shit is no joke. Yeah, how'd it it go? Did you get out? Or did you, was it? No. No. Did you try and break things? Was it like the Always Sunny escape room episode? (laughs) Which is so funny (laughs) because I kept looking for a window, couldn't find one. Uh, So we went to uh, Fort Wayne Escape Room, uh, who is not a sponsor of the podcast, but uh, but I will say them anyways because they were they were good people. So I had my wife and myself, and my daughter, and two of her friends. Now my daughter and her friends are, are like they're like escape room veterans. That, that might have been the the third or fourth time they've got, they've been in one together. This is the first time my wife and I have ever done one. Period. You but no, we we were at the last. We probably. We probably had maybe two to five minutes max to go to be to get out. It was just the three clipboards of a long series. It was a space one, and so it was like this long checklist of things you had to do once you got once you found the three clipboards. And we had we got halfway down the first clipboard and we blew up. The problem was is that one of the things and one of the puzzles inside the room wasn't working correctly. Oh. And, Oops. And it was it was producing you a you know a, a set of numbers to use, and we we did it like twice, and it's like what the fuck you know it should be this, and next thing you know I hear uh, in my ear, yeah that might be broke. It was the the guy that one of the guys that works there came in, it was like yeah, I heard somebody else earlier today say that that shouldn't be that five. He's like so he's like yeah it's this number, and then he tells us and leaves. So I I really don't know how much time that knocked off or that, that we spent on it because it was broke. But it felt like enough where they should have extended our time remaining. You know what I mean? Hands off the chess piece, though, man. They can't... Uh... So... So, anyways. But it was it was a, that was a fun time. Definitely something that we're going to do again. Uh, Brennan was... I was going to live tweet it, but they, t- I, they take your phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Yeah. I, that's pretty I guess I should have known. But, yeah. Yeah, I didn't... I didn't know that are like put it in the box. I'm like, gosh, oh, shit, man. I was going to live tweet this, uh, which means I would have probably been like zero help. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of hustle bustle, a lot of fun. I recommend it to anybody that hasn't done one yet. Uh, there was no window uh, for me to, to fall out of, to distract the escape room employees. What a great, always sunny. And but speaking of always sunny might be the best podcast uh, out there right now is the uh, Always Sunny podcast. I, I seriously cannot get enough of it. I, I it's so good that I went back and started season one, episode one. Yeah, it's the like, best. Yep, it's it's the best show, okay. and it's the uh, it's the best podcast because they have no scruples. Oh no, it's absolutely it's absolutely horrendous for <laughs> for all sorts sorts of yeah. people that get triggered. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it's still great, nonetheless. Uh, let's see, Notre Dame has their pro day. Uh, to, you you yeah. listen to this, right? Uh, that, that's on Peacock, right, Jude? Yes. Can't if, wait. If you have your 
if you still have your peacock, which you should. Because uh, you, you're still finishing up AP Bio or yeah. – or, or maybe you need to restart Yellowstone. I don't know. They got the first couple, few seasons of that on there. Uh, if you're into horses. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, Notre Dame's Pro Day. And you, remember, Jude, a couple weeks ago we were talking about who's going to come back? Yes. I see that we got some uh, some guys coming back. Uh, and uh, Jonathan yeah, Don- Jones. is Dante it? Vaughn and Asmar Bilal, too, right? Yeah, yep, Exactly. Yeah. So we got got some got some guys coming back for pro day. Always every year, every it's we, we should just start taking bets on this. Like who's coming back? Uh, <laughs> the, the pro the pro guys are the ones that, that kind of throw the wrench in it. And I never, I, for some reason, like, I don't know how I forgot about Jonathan Jones because that seems like the easy one. Like you sure. know, come, uh, he's the typical one coming back to do that. You know, the the grad transfer coming back to to take care of that. But yeah. Dante Vaughn, everybody's favorite cornerback. Mm, yeah, a lot of good memories. Lots of good memories. Lots of good memories. Um, my question to you is for this pro day, uh, Notre Dame with their uh, exemplary uh, stopwatch abilities, will Kyle Hamilton run below a 4-5? 4 5? Four, four, six. Four, four, six. Okay. I'm wow. calling it. Four, four, what, was it, what was the what was the discrepancy between Jalen Elliott's combine and Jalen Elliott's okay. third inning? So Greg is well, that was before. different. Yeah, that's different, right? Because that was that wasn't like a that was in a field. That was mailed in. That was mailed in literally. Yeah, that wasn't an actual that was an actual pro day. That was a like a virtual pro day, sort of like he did it in a local high school thing or whatever. It wasn't at Notre Dame because it was COVID. There was a lot of fast people that year. People yeah. that got faster. Uh, <laughs> he had. I mean, he uh, went from a. He went from a four eight uh, at the combine to a four five four. <laughs> that is. Uh, I mean, that's I mean, like Kenny Pickett showing up to his pro day with uh, his his hand size growing like the 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 Grinch's heart growing. Grinch. <laughs> 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 this is this is totally non-political, but you know the the all the running jokes about Trump and his hands. It needs to be a T-shirt of like Pickett and Trump with their small hands. I I probably need to find that that Burger King where the guy with the tiny hands is holding the Whopper and put Kenny Pickett's head on it. <laughs> oh my God! Or or you could go to Always Sunny and get the 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 uncle. Oh yeah, tiny hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have these natural big hands. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, man, I'm glad I restarted that series because I that forgot. Was a, that was a big deal for um, wasn't it? Will Fuller, his hand size. I remember that being it's a big deal. Yeah, I remember. Who was it? it? Was was it Teddy Bridgewater that famously? Or no, it was uh, yeah, it was Teddy Bridgewater that famously had the tiny hands that everybody made fun of. Yeah, I mean. I'm still playing. I just, check. <laughs> yeah, that's. I guess that's the whole point, right? <laughs> like some of this, some of this stuff is just so bad. Like it's yeah, just like silly. that's. It's, yeah, silly is a good word for it. Uh, I mean, bench press numbers I think are the funniest. And this year they didn't. Everybody's. Did they give a reason why I, they started to say it and I missed it about why the people weren't doing the bench this year? <laughs> no, probably because. 
it's a dumb thing. Well, well, not just that, but like it is the bench press. Only punters are winning this. Only punters are winning. You need like I imagine that if he conditioned for it, CeeLo Green would be really good at it because he's got those little T-Rex arms. And the shorter your arms are, the easier it is to bench press, right? And the more reps you can do. So if you have long arms, like you could be the strongest guy in the world and you'll do less than somebody with tiny little, tiny little T-Rex arms. As a, as a six, one person with the wingspan of about six, of a six, like six, six person, I can attest benching fucking sucks with long arms. <laughs> it has always been a pain in the ass and I hate it. I'd they rather, make him, I'd rather they should make him rocks do, and run with them. They should make Big him do rocks. pull-ups. They should make him do pull-ups. Cause what would be more That's, fun than trying to see like a 320 pound man try and do a singular pull-up. Well, I'm too, I mean, I'm almost 270, and let me tell you, I just did one the other day, and that might have been comical for people to watch. I'm trying to get the boys to, to rock them out, and uh, I, I got one of those bars put in between the doors, and uh, I'm like, here, let me show you, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, why am I doing this? And uh, it, it did not go over well for me. It's the second It's the second one that's always funny, because the first one, you know, you use your momentum. Unless you do it from yeah. like a, a dead, a dead lift. But the second one uh, is always the the pull up that makes me laugh. No, I I hang there and and, and lift legs and lift my legs up and then do that for or try to bust out that first, which is maybe I should do it the other way just to get my uh, confidence going. Anyways, uh, there's I mean there's honestly not there's not a whole lot that we're privy to with the Notre Dame football team because it has been uh, pretty well run state run media. Uh, <laughs> just nothing coming out. Nothing. No three minute clips, uh, 30 second quick shots, Oliver Stone style. Oh. It's, I mean, it, you could go, if you follow the players on uh, mostly on Instagram, I think you can get some, some extra little videos here and there. Uh, like Audrey Castamay had uh, had a nice little one of him, but there's not just not a whole lot to go off of. JD Bertrand played last year with a buzz, bum wrist. That was something, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it did, how much does a bum wrist uh, affect you trying to cover? So? <laughs> Do well, we need to get into this? <laughs> no. Like, well, my wrist is my wrist is banging. That's why uh, Cincinnati's tight end just keeps flying that fucking way. Uh, I am. I mean, I I would love to to see what the hell's going on linebacker wise. Uh, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, where you know Bertrand's your leading tackler, and he almost feels like the odd man out. Yeah. You know, going into the season with Lou, with Lou and the other guys that we have, so we'll see how that all works. Uh, I did want to say uh, what was interesting though, seeing a photo of um, Zeke Carell. Uh, and Josh Lug, Zeke Carell at center, Josh Lug at right guard, and Blake Fisher at right tackle. And why that's significant is I, I wouldn't Zeke Carell. I don't wouldn't be in the picture for any guard actually this year. So he's covering for Pat, for Patterson, who's injured at center. But seeing Lug at right guard and Fisher at right tackle, maybe that's you know. So you're well, we're gonna have all on the left tackle, and then either Kristoffic or uh, or Spindler at left tackle. Um, and then, you know, when Patterson comes back, he would be the center is kind of one of them. Kind of what I'm imagining. It's, it's on my vision board. You know what I mean? 
That's that would be a tall as shit line, by the way. Right? Is anybody under six five? No, no, that's why that's why Corell looks so six, out of place. Yeah, when he's six three. Yeah. yeah. That's a yeah. tall line because Lug's a big man, a Christophic six five, um, obviously both alt and um I think Blake Fisher. Spindler's not as Spindler's not as tall. Again, Spindler only six three, six four. Maybe. Uh, I'll tell you in a second. So if it was six, him at left four, guard, so six, four and five eights. I love the eights. Like that's the university uh, roster listed heights. He's six, four. Okay. So, I mean, it's still, you're still absolutely correct. That's still a tall ass line. Yeah. But I mean, if Josh Lowe's in there, I mean, he's, he's almost six, seven. Right. That's a big boy. Yeah. That's a right guard. That kind of reminds me. I mean, just a slimmer, just a slim version of Chris Stewart. Wasn't Chris Stewart about that height? Yeah. And width. And the width, yeah. He's a big boy. Did we? Uh, and did that's we talk, really it. Did we talk about the uh, the makeover that the LSU uh, uh, co- media conference room got? No, Logan Diggs was pretty excited about it. Yeah. Did you, Josh? Did you see this? You know, I'm going to let you guys discuss this before I go into my rant because I don't know exactly what you're talking about. So, so I am I'm, interested. I'm, I'm looking, in the at, Skype I'm looking at a picture. Nice, nice uh, new graphics on the wall at the, you know, at the, at the players meeting room slash media conference room. It's LSU football mission. It says the football mission is to graduate all of our student athletes and win a national championship. And it mentions the traits of excellence, attention to detail. Traits. Yep. Laser Attention to detail, laser focus, attitude, smart, and of course, grit. Gotta have that grit. Grit. Gotta have that grit. Yeah. So Kelly's we're still mo- thinking about like 2000 and uh, we're uh, the tiger uh, standard. 2009. Yeah. The, the tiger standard is the consistent application of our process, which is of course total preparation. Total preparation being physical, technical, tactical, and mental. Traits of excellence, which I just mentioned, and mindset, which is a pattern way of thinking, apparently. It's very yeah. well organized. Very, very well organized. Well. So, yeah, Logan Diggs, uh, he, he retweeted it and said, look, this looks extremely familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Brian uh, Kelly. I, Brian Hel- Kelly is full on ripped off Brian Kelly. So. <laughs> the BK takeover. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Logan Diggs has every right to do that. I personally, I think everybody needs to chill the fuck out. Like there is just there is too much Brian Kelly on my fucking timeline. Because oh, it's interesting just, that you say that. Because it's just I mean people just so funny, can't get over a goddamn divorce. That's it's funny because I think. Uh, there was a lot of us that were thinking that two days after the divorce. <laughs> there was a lot of us thinking that a week after the divorce. And I think now everyone's sort of like, you know, I've come back around where I'm like, I'm ready again to dunk on Brian Kelly. And you guys are like, <laughs> no, we're over it. We're over it. <laughs> we're over it. Whereas I was like, I, mean, I, I literally was like, oh, no, I don't want to talk about Brian Kelly. He's my ex, you know? So I just, I just think that's, I, well, I think my cycle is way more normal. Like it happened, we could deal with it and, and we could tweet out our feelings and, 
and have some fun with it. And there's all sorts of funny fucking shit about Brian Kelly that, especially now that we can harp on. But I mean, going into spring ball, it's like every little thing about Brian Kelly on the internet, I don't feel needs to be like attacked by Notre Dame fans. Just no. fucking leave it the hell alone. Uh, absolutely it's just, it's, not. Look, it's just, I, it's, there's a point. You, there is a point. Look, I, I just can't wait for college football season to start because it's, it's just, you know, like I, I, we, oh gosh, LSU fans just, if you, if you want to commiserate, we're here, man, we're here for you. So, if, uh, and, and the Valley Shook people, if you want to come over and at one foot down next time. We'll, and we'll and LSU fans are in, LSU fans are in my wheelhouse of, of fans that I actually like are cool with. Like I get, I get LSU fans. I actually, I mean, I get them. I think they're all right. And they sure as shit know how to cook up some food at a tailgate. And so, yeah, I think you're right, Jude. I'm like, I'm here for you guys. The first time you're like, what the fuck was that shit? Um, Cause I think it's going to happen. And Brian Kelly's a great coach. There's I'm, everyone needs to just like slow the roll on, 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 on just, just trashing him for trash sake. Like, you know, Notre Dame was on the brink of death. If listen, if Brian Kelly didn't do what Brian Kelly did at Notre Dame, we were fucked. And I'm going to talk about this on an, on an off the rails podcast that I got playing next week that I meant to do this week. But you you go through what Notre Dame went through post Holtz up until BK. Notre Dame couldn't afford another three to five years of absolute incompetency at the head coaching position. You just, they could not, it had to get fixed. And he, I mean, he fixed it. I mean, he, he, he made, the ship did not sink, but there were, there is a good chance. You know, you make the wrong hire there. You do the wrong move. You say you fucking hire Randy Etzel. Like, so you're, fucking, then you're Nebraska. You're Nebraska. Exactly. You exactly. So look, we all should dunk on BK. I mean, dunk on him when you feel like it. Just calm, calm down. But also realize, just for you know, take a split second to, re- to know, we were pretty fucking close to actually being the irrelevant that everyone talks about. Like it was damn close. There's a reason why that word keeps getting brought up, because we were that fucking close. Thanks to thanks to the uh, 2000s. It's just, <laughs> I mean, rest on that. Have fun with your nightmares thinking about how bad this could have been with, with say, a Randy Edsel coming in. Shit, man. Well, also, <sighs> I mean, I don't know that we're going to have the moral high ground because we'll be in the first year of the Marcus Freeman era, and I expect some really dumb shit to be driving us nuts, you know? And so uh, there will be a couple of times where I think during the season we'll say, oh, fuck, if, if BK was here, I, th- I think that would have gone differently. Do you do you mean like being up twenty eight seven? That kind of nuts. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm just, just I mean, I'm asking for a friend. Yeah, asking for a support group. That's what you're asking for. Yeah. <laughs> Are you saying that if if Freeman gets housed at Ohio State, you don't see you'd be like, man, there's never a scenario I can envision where Brian Kelly shows up. To a road Comple- game completely unprepared. Yeah. <laughs> that would never happen under with Brian Harry Heastan yeah. as offensive coordinator or yeah. offensive. Oh, line. yeah. 
That would never happen. At a night game and a night game too to boot. Thank you. Yeah. I can't believe I had to fucking defend myself this week, Jude. So about, about Gus? What it, well, well, not about Gus. I I, under, okay. I always have to defend Gus because no one's going to be on my level with Gus. Right. I had to defend myself about with Notre Dame fans who were bitching about it. You know, if it was Fox, it could have been a noon game with Ohio State. That's great. And instead, you know, ESPN, this is, this is going to be a primetime game on ESPN. And everyone's happy. Why are you fucking happy, Notre Dame? Are you stupid? Do you have any idea what goes on in Columbus in night games? Are you fucking – how dumb are you? It is not an environment. It is not – no, it is – it actually works. Uh, <laughs> not, I mean, or if you're Virginia Tech and beating Ohio State at night in Columbus. That was a day game, wasn't it? I think that was a day game. I thought it was a night game. At any rate, if you're going to Columbus as a fan to watch this game, let me tell you something. You don't want to go at a night game. It is not a friendly environment for you to be in. Think of of games at Miami, and that's basically what you get. Think of games at Michigan State at night, and take that times two. Games at Penn State. At night, times two. I've been down there for these games. I've been going down there my whole life. There is a bush outside of Schottenstein that every person from Hicksville goes and pisses at. If you go down there by yourself, you just go there and piss, wait 10 minutes, somebody from Hicksville will be there. (laughs) You guys give off a scent or something? (laughs) I I noticed it in the early 90s, and it just, just, without a doubt, this is what happens. Uh, So they're 20 and 5 in night games, by the way, at home. <clears throat> Very respectable. That, that seems good. The five, that seems good. Five losses were were probably what Texas one year, uh, Texas, Virginia Tech. Uh, I can't. I can't list them off. But what I'm saying is, it's not a fucking great. It's not a great slot. The you may new, be pumped about prime time, but this is not a good. Thing. The year, that? They, the year they lost to Purdue, like 48-20. But that was, that was in West South. South. Yeah. Oh, my bad. The last oh. time I think they lost a night game at home was Michigan State in the rain, right? Was that a was that a home game? Was that a night game, though? Uh, yeah, it was, it was raining. It was dark. Well, I mean, it's the Midwest. The skies were foreboding. Oh. Was that Was that 2015? Yeah, that was 2015. I don't know if it was a night game or not, um, but it was dark. Yeah. All I'm saying is be careful what you wish for because that's not this isn't the this isn't the good thing that you think it is. It, the best the best scenario for Notre Dame for fans and for our chances to win in Columbus would have been a noon game. That gives you the best opportunity to win. Not 7:30 or 8 o'clock kickoff. It's just, it's not, it's not a good thing. Not saying that's going to like, it's not going to make or break the game, but it may, may, may make or break some of your guys' experiences that plan on going to the shoe. Good luck with that. Yeah. Just, um, I, I, well, I threw gonna... away a blue. I was down there for a Ohio state Michigan game. Uh, God, I can't remember what year it was. And I, and I went down to Columbus. And I didn't have a fucking coat. So I stopped at an old Navy and bought me a, a, a blue Navy peacoat that, that lasted all of about one hour before I was getting just blasted by motherfuckers off porches 
for wearing the color blue and I just threw it in the trash. I owned it for one hour and I threw it in the trash. And I have pretty thick skin and don't, I can handle myself pretty well. And I was like, this ain't worth it. I, I have a sweater on, I'll be fine. So just saying, have fun with that. But I had to defend that. Like people were like, what's so bad about a night game of Columbus? Are, did I really have to explain that to you? I, I just, I, I honestly don't think in a Notre Dame in a big game on the road at night anyways, let alone <laughs> to a team who's going to be a, a top five team with a with a Heisman court. I got to explain this to you. It just it blew my mind, blew my mind. I understand everyone's hatred for Gus Johnson, but Jesus Christ, get over it. Not that any of it matters. This, this is what's going to happen. So, Ugh. I will say that if you're down in Columbus, it's going to be a a Labor Day game, so it should be pretty warm. But if it wasn't warm, there's a gorgeous home field hoodie that you could purchase, and maybe you just want to go incognito down to uh, down to a game. Jude, I see that you today received some. Very pretty uh, home field gear. <laughs> Brendan's just waiting to pounce. But yes, uh, I went I went and did the mystery box because I'm very much like Peter Griffin when they're like, you can have a boat or whatever's in this box. <laughs> and he's like, he's what's like, in the box? Lois, this could be anything, including a boat. <laughs> um, Everybody else is riding their boat around their front yard. You know, it's so funny because there's, there's, I think at, at this point there was so many uh, home field t-shirts and hoodies that I wanted that I was like frozen by the, the number of choices. And then I was just like, let home field decide. And, you know, to be honest with you, um, I feel pretty good about, about what you should, I got. You should. Um, look, I, uh, I'm currently, I'm currently rocking the Dayton Flyers, uh, large that uh, they sent me the hoodie. Um, it's as comfortable as my other hoodies. Uh, it, I went one size down just to see what this was like. It's a little bit more of a snug fit for me, but, um, it's, it's working perfectly. My wife loves the Auburn one. She picked that, she grabbed that one. Um, she's gonna, she's got the Wisconsin t-shirt that, uh, that came to, um, are you the, sending the Iowa state shirt to Pete? <laughs> no, it's, it's a size small. I don't think I, I, I mean, I think Pete would look pretty swollen in it, but, uh, um, he's a pretty skinny I, guy. Yeah, yeah. But it'd be a belly shirt on him. It would be a belly shirt. On him. <laughs> I actually, well, maybe, maybe, maybe he deserves to wear that for predicting Iowa state to win that game. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought his, his response on that was pitch perfect. So kudos to yeah. Pete for, for being able to make fun of his camping world bull <laughs> prediction. Uh, no, actually, the the three, um, the Iowa State, the Texas A and M, and the, um, and the I think it's Missouri Tigers shirts are actually size small. So uh, my kids have not been the beneficiaries of these, so they'll be a little bit big on the kids. But um, you know, it's we'll just a, into them. yeah, fun, a fun way to um, to get into to get into home field. And then um, the Miami Hurricanes shirt, um, we, we found I found an appropriate person to uh, to to get to give that to so is it taco are you sending that to poot and giving it to, to taco poot? no um it, it's a long story basically <laughs> give it to this, the cat this kid jumped this kid jumped to my mentions and he was like i'm a broke college kid and i need a, a gift for my hurricanes loving brother and it's just like all right buddy we can we, we'll, we'll take care of you so oh judy uh, you took the sob story 
I did take the I did take the soft story. So well, that's that's it. I mean, how can you not? You feel so good when you get a package from Homefield because the shit's so dope. Well, yeah, I, his, we, his 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 uh, brother's gonna be pretty fucking psyched. I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool shirt. If I was into the fucking oh, yeah. hurricanes, is, I hope his yeah. brother's not Dante Moore. Is it? <laughs> 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 that, uh, yeah, that wouldn't be any. That wouldn't be any good. I did. I did do uh, a check. I didn't do a check. So, uh, no, I think it's not something <laughs> more. But statistically speaking, I think I'm pretty good there. But uh. so, so after Notre Dame lost their sweet their uh, their game against Texas Tech, started noticing that home field was was producing the Sweet Sixteen shirts for the teams. Like you, if they were going to Sweet Sixteen, they're getting a shirt. Yeah. So I messaged them, and I was like, "Look, I'm like just." Just show me what you were going to give us. I'm like, I can take it. And they kindly replied back and were like, you got one before the ACC tournament. That was it. We didn't have one planned for the 216. I, if that makes you feel any better. And it did. I actually yeah. felt better that I wasn't missing out on, on a home field shirt just because we didn't, couldn't hit free throws. <laughs> I still shouldn't laugh at that. But, uh. and, I, and I tell you. What do, what do I say, Brendan? Like 35 shirts in my home field collection now or something like that? It is I'm your – you don't even call it the home field collection. That is your shirt collection now. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah I have to do some uh, – I really got to do some uh, – uh, St. Vincent de Paul in Fort Wayne. Uh, uh, I got to take some stuff there because I got I to gotta clean out some drawers. But my wife uh, just whooped me. But she keeps I'm, stealing them. So <laughs> – I was uh, shocked at how quickly they were able to license uh, St. Peter's stuff. I mean, it's not like uh, – I, I guess it's not – St. Pete's was probably chopping at the bit for that too. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I, I thought three of the, the four designs were very generic and not very home field-esque. And then one of them was kind of like something I would kind of expect from home field caliber. So I think you can definitely tell um, that they were you know, sort of a surprise last-minute thing. But at the same time, like – they're the only one I saw really, you know, pumping out the, the St. Pete stuff. So, you know, good for right. them. Good for them. Yeah. They, they said they got that uh, license in record time and I believe it. Like yeah, it's, and it's peacock gear that, that Auburn, that Auburn hoodie with the peacock on it uh, did really well. So like, what, what, what can you do? How many peacocks did he put on shirts? Apparently they got, they got it. They got St. Pete's. Right. I mean, I think home field should do a, a peacock peacock hat or shirt. Uh, for Notre Dame fans, right? <laughs> Peacock doesn't, doesn't that make doesn't that make sense? Like maybe they should do, they could do it like the uh, green USC shirt where it's got the score. I mean, the Toledo game was a great game, right, guys? Close win. <laughs> you can do put the date put the date the score on there with a peacock. Give, give Jonathan Jones a uh, an IL deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so listen, everyone, get on over to Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Right now, you can still save 10% off of anything in their collections uh, if you use the code MANIA. Uh, and if you have never purchased from one field or from Homefield before, you can use the code ONEFOOT to save 15% off your first order. Uh, we can't say enough good things about uh, about what they're doing over there. It's fantastic. Uh, and like, like Jude's kind of doing with uh, Dante Moore's brother, they make perfect <laughs> gifts uh, for people that you know that aren't Notre Dame fans. So. Yeah, I, that's the thing is that when I saw the the, the Miami one, I thought oh, this this shouldn't be too hard to get a giveaway, you know. So I was it, to me it was worth it to to have the hit rate that I got. I mean, obviously Brendan disagrees on the Iowa State, but 
you know, a nine-year-old wearing an Iowa State shirt, no one's going to beat him. No one's going to beat that kid up. So, um, so my my best friend in uh, through high school, uh, looking at you, Stevie, was one of the biggest Miami fan that I've ever known. He has a huge uh, Sebastian tattoo on his leg. Ooh, uh, it's now, but but now he goes, he cheers for Notre Dame. I see him in Notre Dame games. Like I'll go down to the, like I'll go down to the stands and see him and his wife uh, <laughs> a couple times. <laughs> no, and then he's got this big fucking Sebastian on his leg. It's like it should be burning when he walks through that stadium. But yeah, if I ever got a Miami shirt, I'd be first one. Uh, he had the he had the most rockinest seven uh, one Impala uh, that you'd ever. It was fantastic. It was a, it was a good car to have in, in uh, high school. If you kids don't know, a seven one Impala is a very long, large car. You can fit. Six up front, eight in the back. So, who needs SUVs? Uh, moving on. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, gentlemen. So we we kind of already talked about Brian Kelly a little bit, and I'm kind of a hypocrite because I said let's just not talk about him. Yeah, we're <laughs> doing tonight. Yeah, I mean, just uh, I think it's very on brand for me. So <laughs> so it'll work. Uh, so tonight, what we're gonna do is, <clears throat> it, it, I guess it's part of the healing process, right? We're talking about divorce. Uh, you don't talk about him, and you're like, all right, here are the good things. We're ready to move on. So in honor of all the NCAA tournaments going on right now, uh, you know, we never did anything on the site. We didn't do, um, you know, any, anything kind of fun. And maybe this isn't fun because we're going to bring up some memories. Uh, but we're going to do a, 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 a sweet 16 of Brian Kelly's best wins at Notre Dame. Now, a couple things, couple things to say about this. Number one, that's really fucking hard even after his, his entire tenure, because there weren't a lot of great, like big time wins, uh, despite winning all those games. Well, I was just thinking just, you could, I think you can get to 10, but 16 might, might start running a little bit thin. It was, you know? it was tough, which brings me yeah. to point number two. I was the NCAA committee on this. I made, I decided which, which games and which seedings. Uh, and I will not take any shit from anybody about, the seed, the seeds, or, or the games, and their placings. This, it was. Uh, uh, go uh, talk to the Big Twelve commissioner uh, if you got a problem I with that. Just, I I just want to preview this by saying I can't wait to get outvoted two to one in the 2012 USC game. I feel it coming. I feel it coming. So is it is it on? It is on there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
And number three, uh, basically, what's going? We're gonna we're gonna talk about this shit, and it's gonna take a a majority rule to advance uh, advance the team out of the brackets. Do we agree on these rules, gentlemen? Let's do it. All right. So before we start, I'm just going to list off the seedings one through sixteen that I have, and then we'll then we'll dive right in. We'll go uh, and we'll start uh, with the one seed, uh, one two. We'll just work down like that. It just seems logical. Uh, so starting with no, the number one seed, Clemson, 2020. Number two, Oklahoma, 2012. Number three, Michigan, 18. Uh, number four, Stanford, 12. Number five, Michigan, 14. Number six, USC, 12. Number seven, LSU, 17. Number eight, Michigan State, 13. Number nine, Utah, 10. Uh, number 10, LSU, 19. Number 11, LSU, 14. Number 12, Michigan State, 11. Number 13, Syracuse, 18. Number 14, USC, 10. Number 15, Stanford, 14. And number 16, Pitt, 2012. If your favorite game wasn't on there, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry either. So I I think this is going to be nice and chalk, so this shouldn't take too long. But uh, so let's get into it. Uh, number one versus number sixteen, Clemson twenty twenty, Pitt two thousand twelve. What are we thinking here, fellas? I think two thousand twelve is the most miserable experience I've ever had watching a Notre Dame football win. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say um, my memories of that game is that my son was born on October 29th, and that was like a it was an early November game, maybe like November 1st or November 2nd. Let's see, he was born on a Monday, so you can do we can do the math on that. But um, I was finishing up a congressional campaign that we would end up losing, and I had to watch the game uh, sitting at the office and literally ducking in between doing my job and, and watching the game. And I was beside myself. It was literally the most stressful thing, uh, as Brendan alluded to, to, to watch that. And while the comeback was, especially with the Golson dive at the at the goal line, was cool, um, having it come down to, you know, the the Pittsburgh kicker not making his kicks was very uncool. And the idea that we got away with two number twos on the field um, was just, you know, it's it's amazing how a, a, a otherwise wonderful season could have gotten so easily derailed by such a shitty team. So I, this is an easy three Oh, I think for us. And that's obviously Clemson 2020 is uh much better. Yeah. That, that pick game, I was actually in, uh, I, I had to be in Indianapolis. I had to help my sister-in-law move or something like that. So I'm in the car with my wife. Uh, and I guess just my daughter was the only one born at that time. And so coming back, uh, I was trying to watch it on the NBC Sports app uh, on my iPhone 3 at the time, and that was not working out very well. So I'm pissed all the way home. Like it's it's coming in and out, but <laughs> miraculously somehow we get back uh, to her mom's house in Decatur from Indianapolis, and we're just reaching the end of the fourth quarter. And who knew, <laughs> or the middle of fourth quarter, who knew how much game we had left? Uh, and it just sucked. It was rainy. It was shitty. Um, and having to like watch it in that manner was just all, all sucked. And everything you said, Jude, about how they won, um, 
and Brennan, how they want to suck. Clemson 2020, look, the worst thing about Clemson 2020 was that there wasn't 80,000 people in the stands. Like that just that felt like a robbery of sorts. Um, say what you will about if that was the case, you'd have Trevor Lawrence on the field. Okay. But uh, it, was a, it was a great win. It was just, we've talked about on this podcast and now it's starting to get picked up on by other people that Notre Dame Clemson moving towards kind of a bit of a, a, a little bit of a rivalry. Um, you know, I think as time goes on, maybe that, uh, that beefs up. So you know, getting that win and just everything that, especially for this podcast, when all we talked about was how for six months, how anybody else, the only thing, what does this mean for Clemson game? What does this mean for the Clemson game? Every fucking thing uh, you see, a, you know, a player get a drink of water, you know, does that drink of water help him uh, beat Clemson? I don't know. Uh, so that game was, was off the charts. I mean, Kyra Williams, Avery Davis, big time plays in that game. That's an that's an easy dub for the number one seed overall. And it was also the best one podcast last thing. we ever did. Yeah, yeah it was. was that great. was the best podcast we ever did. Great. The most fun. Um, I I have talked to a couple of um, uh, undergrads students, you know, and they they think that game was amazing because it's something a moment that they shared that nobody else like got to experience so they have a like a they have a bond over that but i 100 percent agree with you that that game without fans is just kind of a, or well just with the you know with the admitted uh, students and the faculty and stuff like that it's just it was it, it takes away a little bit of the shine it, it's probably not going to affect it winning this whole tournament uh spoiler alert but uh, we'll we will see i guess it does take away from like like rewatching. Like I have a hard time rewatching games from twenty twenty, a, a year that Notre Dame went to the playoff, because of the fan, the lack of fans in the crowd, like the crowd noises. Like there's just there's you know things that have been natural to us our entire life, or very unnatural during that season, and that's kind of a hard thing to to watch. Maybe for some people it doesn't matter to me. It just, it, it affects my mood and, and how I watch that. I went to enough Mac games to uh, understand that um, <laughs> <laughs> crowd size doesn't matter for my enjoyment. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I, I can't remember the last time. I need to look that up. Last time Reinerson sold out. Never, probably. <laughs> Never would be good. the best answer. I, I'm going to have to dive into that, figure out what the record of attendance was. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the number two seed, Oklahoma, 2012. St- gets the 15 seed, Stanford 14. What do you guys think? Stanford 14 is actually an incredibly terrible game. Incredibly Everything but the terrible. last play. Yeah, I think people overlook it. This is this to me. This is the UCLA 2006 game. People think, oh, this would be a fun game to rewatch. No, it is an absolute slog. I think the um, the success rate for Notre Dame on that game was like 29 percent or something. It just it's awful, awful. And I, obviously the the last play is very very cool. Um, but to me, there's there's no contest. I mean, Oklahoma 2012 was. 
it was it was a it was a battle of titans for about three quarters, and then Notre Dame just started just eating them, eating their lunch in Norman, which is so in cool. Norman, yeah, with a stripe yeah. out, yeah, stripe out's important. Uh, that you know, I was when I was doing the seedings, I was actually going to do a a play in game for Stanford fourteen and um, Miami's in the Sun Bowl. It was going to be, I was oh, going to have them play someone, in yeah, for, yeah. for 15. Uh, but went with this, obviously. Yeah, Jude's I, absolutely right. It's a fucking terrible game to watch. But Oklahoma 2012 is not a terrible game to watch, rewatch. No, no, it is. It is absolutely not. It's, uh, well, well, we'll get to it as it, uh, we proceed in the tournament. But, um, yeah, I don't want to give too much, uh, too much to the winner. Uh, of this game because I imagine we'll end up talking about them as we, as we move forward. Right. Right. Uh, and I'll say this, the, the Oklahoma 2012 game, I see almost entirely through the lens of, uh, that great highlight video, uh, that was a half hour long of the 2012 season, uh, where it's, where they're doing the Rocky, uh, Rocky four soundtrack, uh, for Oklahoma. Uh, it was, it's just, I could, I mean, I could rewatch that uh, that highlight just about any time, but that particular that particular set with Oklahoma just is just so much fun. Wow! All right, couple of couple of easy chalks there. Uh, next one, <clears throat> number three seed Michigan in 2018, number 14 seed USC 2010. <sighs> Cheese Lou. Um the tough part for me is that like the outcome of the game was very enjoyable. Uh I'm gonna I, so you know what I'm gonna pick the upset. Yeah, uh, USC. Uh and the reason why is because um while the Michigan game started fast, I don't want to watch that second half of the 2018 Michigan game again. I don't want to have to justify myself as I was watching that there was some sort of game plan to sit on the ball instead of like scoring more points. I don't want to have to watch touchdowns from what was it? Cole Komet called off the board. I don't want to do that. I want to watch just an ugly game in the rain. And then Robert Hughes, uh, completely dominate. Take it over. Just take over the game. I think that the, the 2010 USC game, is a really important moment in sort of defining um, the USC Notre Dame rivalry and also sort of Brian Kelly's arrival on the, on the scene, right? It's, it's the game that we needed so badly to win for so many years and didn't win. And to have that sort of monkey off the back where they won. Now, was it always pretty? Absolutely not. Uh, Could it have gone a different way? Sure. But um, I think that, you know, what that 2010 season was and having Tommy Reese come and win four games, uh, you know, against high, uh, highly thought of teams on the road or, or, well, a couple of them were on the road at the end, at the end of that season, it kind of really turned what was, what was starting to look like a miserable first season into sort of a not great, but acceptable eight and five season. So that was a big part of that. And, um, I'll be, I'll be forever grateful for that game for, you know, for sort of ending the, the, the USC night end of season nightmare in Los Angeles. Now, did we lose after that? Absolutely. But it's been more good than bad since then. Yeah. I, 
I would probably lean towards the Michigan game. And I, that was where my vote was going to be, was going to be headed mainly because it was one of those games where much like the Ohio state game, we're going to have, it was a, a full off season of pure focus on the first game of the season. And, you know, Notre, I mean, yeah, regardless of the score, Notre Dame went out there and just beat the shit out of them physically, uh, which was something, you know, we weren't sure about uh, kind of the way they did it. Uh, and then later on, the finding out, you know, why Brandon Wimbush was the quarterback and Ian Book, you know, big focus on that game was very Demetrius Jones, Georgia Tech 2007, like uh, in decisioning. If you, I mean, if you bring it down to its basic parts, um, but there's no question. No question that the USC 2010 game is a special game for me for ending the fucking nonsense of all those years uh, of losing to them. And it just it you just felt great that night. It, it, 2010 was not a great season uh, and there was a lot, lot of downs, a couple ups. Uh, but going out to L.A. and getting that series turned around um, was absolutely a highlight and you know, just something, something I'll never forget. Robert Hughes, absolute beast. So, all right. So we will put down USC 10. That is a nice little, nice little upset there. Uh, and so full disclosure, I did fuck up, <laughs> but we'll, we'll let, we'll let, the, we'll let the fuck up stand. Number one. All right. I had a little bit of a fuck up. I, uh, at the beginning of the, of the uh, podcast, I said that, the number 10 seed was LSU 19. It's actually Iowa State 2019. Uh, I don't know why I thought I had a yeah. I don't know why I had a lowercase uh, L there, or why I thought it was a lowercase L. Uh, but also, uh, I didn't have USC 2017 on here, uh, and so I am going uh, uh, due to uh, COVID regulations. Uh, Michigan State 2011 is going to be replaced as the 12 seed uh, by USC 2017. Thank you. Wow, that's a great 12 seed. Okay. Yeah. So and, and it's a it's a pretty stellar matchup. Uh, well, you know uh, you know the 12 seeds always make a run in the tourney. Cinderella. Yeah. Yep. Well, hey, it's a this could be a doozy. So uh, look, we follow COVID protocols here. Uh, Michigan State 2011 was. Uh, was dirty, just completely dirty. Uh, <laughs> so moving on to the next game, I can't believe we had muted that long. Uh, USC number, excuse me, uh, number four seed Stanford 2012 year, and number 13 seed Syracuse from 2018. I'm sorry, what was the first one? Stanford 2012 is the four seed. Ooh, and Syracuse okay. 18. As much pleasure as the 2018 Syracuse game brought me because I won a lot of money off of Syracuse basketball fans that suddenly became Syracuse football fans for about two months. Um, I mean, how could you how could you beat 2012 Stanford in the rain? Um, the drama with with Everett getting knocked out and Tommy coming in and throwing uh, literally the world's worst touchdown pass to TJ Jones. who <laughs> Managed to scoop it out of out of the out of the ground and, and make that into a touchdown. And then obviously the goal line stand with the phantom whistle and the review and the picture of Mac Mac Shore took of Manti Teo screaming in the rain and just um the Notre Dame band playing um rumor has it like seven thousand times. 
Yeah, I love, <laughs> I love, I love the 2012. Uh, I love the 2012 Stanford game, and and um, uh, there's really nothing, nothing about the 2018 um, Syracuse game that, uh, and especially with the pins oof, and the Yankee uniforms, awful uniform that I would that I would really uh, support. So I, I'm going to go 2012 they, they, Stanford. They did run that fullback trap in the 2018 Syracuse game. This is about the prettiest uh, two back set run play you can you'll ever see. It was mm. it was gorgeous. We were uh, also uh, was that the one where uh, Ian booked through the interception while falling down at the one yard line? That was that was always fun. Yeah, that was the, that was the same game. Yeah, yeah. We were also graced with uh, Cowardly Dino. Cowardly Dino, yeah, that's right. That became a long-running joke on OFD and still is. Uh, it still is. Uh, <laughs> and and now it's all uh, – it's Dino Cowards from here on out. He is the uh, the godfather of it all, so anyone else that does it is a Dino Coward. Uh, just kick a field goal, you – coward. Uh, the Stanford, Stanford game is actually pretty funny because I was at work, which is amazing – not at the stadium at my actual employment. And, uh, you know, as a game day was there, it's pretty surprising that I was hit. I don't know why I, I felt like being a responsible adult that day. And what sucked even more was, uh, I get a, I get a text from Oak, like maybe like, maybe like around noonish, like maybe around noon saying, Hey, uh, you know, you're credentialed for this game. Like, you know, I did not. I didn't apply for credentials or anything. He's like, yeah, your credentials. Your credentials are sitting here. There's your desk, name tags, all the whole fucking nine. He's like, get up here. <laughs> <laughs> like, even if I, it, it must have been even closer. Maybe it was around one. It's like, even if I had left and got up there to get like in the middle of the first quarter, I would just be like covered in grease and not change. <laughs> Like, and I should have just did it anyways. I mean, if I would have got there at halftime, I still would have saw the greatness that was the second half. So I will forever be uh, kicking myself in the ass for not uh, just fucking hightailing it up to South Bend uh, for that game. But at any rate, fantastic ending. Uh, the Syracuse game, I will say this, though. That was one of those games. And and, and there's another one on here, too. Um well, the Oklahoma game was like that in a sense where everybody was picking Notre Dame to lose by 17 against Oklahoma. And it was just kind of like a given. Against Syracuse in 18, just everybody was picking Syracuse to win that game. And yeah, I, I never had an uneasy feeling about that game. And I couldn't, I, it didn't make any sense why everybody else was so confident that Notre Dame was going to lose. And then the Notre Dame goes in and just destroys them. Uh, so that, that's just always a, it just kind of ups the value of a game for me. Uh, the, you know, exceeding others expectations, even if it had nothing to do with my own. Uh, but I say Stanford 2012 wins this pretty easily. All right, moving on to the next game, fellas, number five seed, Michigan, 2014 and the number 12 seed USC, 2017, (sighs) <laughs> wow, <laughs> this is really easy for me, but I don't know how you guys feel. You know, this is easy for me too. Brendan, Brendan might have a different feeling, but uh, for me, it's 2017 USC. I mean, first of all, the idea of USC coming in highly ranked, and also the fact that USC had a good team that year. 
it didn't it didn't show up uh, in South Bend that night. A beautiful, by the way, beautiful, beautiful 70 degree night in South Bend uh, in mid-October. But um, I, I hate the 2014 Michigan game. I, I think that people love it because it's Michigan and, and I get that or whatever. And the BBG like turned down for what, you know, me was that. And, you know, you talk, remember the six and I, I'm, I'm a big remember the six guy too, but it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a win in which you win an eight and five season and you beat a five and seven team. It's just not, it's really just not that significant. Um, I, I understand it's a rival, but 2017 USC is also a rival and that was just a bloodletting against a really good team. And I really, I was there for it. I was there for it. I mean, I wasn't physically present. I was just, I was, I was emotionally present for it. Oh, I was. For me, it's uh, it's the 12 seed USC here. I got to agree with you. Um, I, I mean, I don't have a picture of the final score of the 2017 USC game on my wall or anything. (laughs) The 14, but I mean, yard points, um, like it was more to do with the ineptitude of Michigan. Um, USC is an actual rival. Michigan's not. Uh, also, for, that's for another episode. Also, I think the bigger the bigger point is is Notre Dame doesn't do that to USC ever, right? We talked about this a lot during the season. We talked a lot about it last season. Notre Dame doesn't really blow out bad USC teams, right? Much less good I mean, USC teams. Good USC teams, yeah. So they, they don't, don't blow, blow out. out they, they don't, don't blow, blow out bad USC. USC teams in LA. Yeah, well, they just like blowing out USC is just not something that I'm accustomed to. And that first half was just it was it was carnal in nature, right? It was like you know, it was it was borderline erotic. The way that like <laughs> Brett Bielema when, <laughs> when Sam Darnold gets hit, the ball is just taken from him and then just it starts rolling. That game is as enjoyable as any game. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm, I'm glad I was able to sneak uh, USC in uh, because 17, because without a doubt, look, I was there for both games. I was in the stands with my wife. It was the last time. We sat together uh, for a Notre Dame game inside the stadium. She was at the SC game this year, but uh, I was working the box. Um, and then in 17 at SC, I was working the box on that one. But the, I mean, I just, I don't know how to describe the feeling inside the stadium for 2017 SC, other than the fact that I couldn't be in the press box any more than I was. I had to get the fuck out and get to the crowd and enjoy some of that together. Uh, and look, we, we have already been on a path of, of, of flipping that series around. But again, Sam Darnold, there was, a fucking, there was nothing but trash talking about Sam Darnold before the season uh, and then leading up to that game. Uh, there was just, they were supposed to turn us out. And, and instead it was just, Notre Dame just absolutely fucking put a whooping on them. Um, and it felt good. And, Keep in mind, too, the last time Notre Dame played SC was was that 2016 uh, beatdown in L.A., uh, which was no fun. Uh, so this, uh, you know, the retribution uh, factor there, it's just it was it was a great game. It was it, it is one of the when we talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, watchability and going back and rewatching games. 
of all the games in this list, this is it ranks up up there with any of them to go back and turn on and watch. It's that much fun to watch. Um, yeah, Michigan. Look, remember the six. It, it is a great game to talk about. It is a it is a great game in in, in Notre Dame history, really. Um, but a lot of that has to do with with just kind of fan feels more than anything else. Obviously, it, Jude said it best with like dealing with a an eight and five season. What was the Michigan's record that year? You said I believe five and seven. Yeah, it's it's a bad Michigan team. It got pretty um, hope fired. Yeah, yeah, it was it. You know, we got the gif of a BVG um, and the turn down for what, and then you know he goes ahead and ruins that almost uh, you know immediately a few weeks later. Uh, so yeah, the 12 seed here swoops in, takes victory, USC 17. Uh, moving on here. Number six seed USC 2012, number 11 seed LSU 2014, which was the Music City Bowl. The Zaire Bowl, right? Yep. Mike McGlinchey's uh, yeah. first start in offensive line. Yep. So I think I've been going first a lot, but I don't know that I've really been influencing you, so I'll continue to keep going first. Um, the 2014 LSU was a game that no one expected us to win. In fact, I started I put together a lot of spreadsheets based of uh, media picks since that 2014 game because that 2014 game was so lopsided. Everyone in the media had watched the Northwestern game. Include, well, us fans had watched it too, but Northwestern game, the Louisville game, uh, certainly the red letter day at USC and thought there's just no way in hell that Notre Dame with its quarterback chaos and its injuries and its end of season collapse is going to do anything in this game in Nashville, Tennessee and against Kyle, LSU and Kyle Brinza kicks all the, the field goals and bleak Zaire comes in and just, you know, continues to, to give us something to get excited about for 2015. And, you know, Everett didn't play that poorly either. It, it was, it was a total team effort. I, 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 I do enjoy that game. Um, 2012 USC just it continues to rub me the wrong way. I know I'm in the minority about this. Um, I, I honestly feel like this game would not mean anything to people if it was the second to last game in that season. I think that a lot of a lot of emphasis is put on the fact that it kept preserved the the perfect season. Well, every game in 2012 preserved the, the perfect season. Uh, if they lose to, to Pittsburgh, then the, the 2012 USC game becomes a lot less significant. I know I'm a little bit being hypocritical because I talked about how much the 2010 USC game uh, meant in terms of the rivalry and, you know, getting the onus, uh, the monkey off our backs in, in 2000, um, in, in 2010. But um for me, the 2012 game was, you know, beating a six and seven or seven and six team and not a very good one. And they literally um, USC did a ton of stupid shit in that game that really just helped Notre Dame seal that win. So um, I like the postgame locker room celebration of we're going to the ship and, you know, let's go to Miami or see in Miami or whatever. But um, I'm not a big fan of that game. So for me, it's, so you're it's going LSU. LSU 14. You're going LSU, LSU 14. 14 yep. OK, well, I'm going to disagree with you on that. And above all else, Jude, I, I understand the argument about every game was important, but this wasn't just any other game of the schedule. This was against your main rival, the one that had a national championship run. 
you ended the season perfect on their fucking field. You were dancing with their recruit that they wanted. And man, I tell you how, I, without a doubt, I think this, the, the, it was one of the great Notre Dame wins. Regard, I don't give a shit if, L, if USC was, was over at that point. That was the point where everything was be, was made better from the, the pulse, the post Holtz era to that point. It started with the with with the cursed nonsense of Kansas State losing the make Notre Dame number one team in the country. <clears throat> but it it all culminated in that night right there where we thought we owned the world after that game. We fucking ran the world after that game. And I'll never forget that feeling. I'll never forget just how fantastic that was. Um, and again, on your rivals field. Uh, which is important to me to rub it in the the 20 fans uh, for SC that were left there at the end of the game. Uh, So I'm going USC 12. Brendan, you're going to have to break this tie. All right. So give me, I just, I just want to clarify something. I'm not going to bribe you. Nope. 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 What are, what are we, what are we voting for here? The greatest, greatest Brian Kelly victories, right? Is that what? That's what I was voting on. So yeah. the greatest Brian Kelly victories, not watchability, not not anything like that, right? No, it's the greatest Brian Kelly victory. In terms of Brian Kelly victories, then yeah, 2012 USC is 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 better than the the LSU game in terms of watchability. Why? But, w- well, but why is it why why is it better than that? In, in the terms that it's of a great Brian Kelly victory. Well, because it's a game that puts you into the national. It was the it was the end cap to a 2012 undefeated regular season, just like USC in 2018. I don't want to watch either of those two games again, though. I don't want to watch the two. I tried watching the 2012 game again over the summer. It's hard. It's, it's hard. Good. And like both like, you know, the feed stinks because um, it looks like it's always foggy. And it was the same thing with the Music City Bowl, too. But um I mean, the Music City Bowl is just a more enjoyable game to watch. You're beating an SEC team. Um, there's a lot more things that I like about the LSU game. Um, but in terms of, like, biggest wins, I mean, capping off a, a regular season is is more important than, um, you know, an exhibition game. And, and, by, and by the way, just, just – December 29th or whatever. Since I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down, I might as well go down swinging. Like, if this was – if Stanford had ended that season, you guys would still vote for the, that game, right? Everything yeah. else would be the same. And Jude, I'm, I'm on board with all of your reasoning. I agree with you wholeheartedly that the LSU game is the better game. But in terms of like biggest victories, yes. I, I, I can't say that the 2014 Music City Bowl is bigger than the... So let me ask you a question. Is the 2012 Boston College game a bigger win for the Brian Kelly era than the 2014 LSU game? I think so. Um, but it wasn't the last game. It wasn't the last game of the season either. Even if it's not a regular Wake Forest game, a bigger win in the Brian Kelly era. It wasn't the last game of the season. I understand it wasn't the last game of the season, but if you lose it, it becomes becomes insignificant. That's the whole point. I also would have to say that all of those games, any of the games in the 12-0 2012 regular season – are bigger wins in the Brian Kelly era than the 2014 Music City. Okay. But it is I, it is. I think that that's the better game. Um, I I mean, I, I certainly 
enjoy that game more than maybe half the games in 2012. Um, but I guess according to the purview here, I have. But to. Uh, how about this, Brennan? 2012 Pittsburgh versus 2014 LSU. Uh, 2014. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we did find one. All right. Fair <laughs> the misery of that game is too much. It's too much. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Next game here. Um, number seven seed LSU 2017 Citrus Bowl. And number 10 seed, the Iowa State Cyclones in the Camping World Bowl uh, 2019. So we, we got a we got a big bowl matchup here. Um, this is the real you, right you uh, this is I mean, this is a I, I think this is a great matchup. It's yeah. a great 7-10 matchup here. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to be 100 percent honest here. I do not believe I've seen the entirety of the 2017 uh, LSU game. And I'll tell you why. Um, I had bronchitis really bad that day. And I started off in the emergency room. And I spent so much time there that I didn't get back until Ian Book was in the game. Like, I literally missed the entire Brandon Winbush, like, (laughs) experience of that game. So Well, that's okay. (laughs) <laughs> as, as, yeah, it sounds like I, I hit the right part of the game, but the, you know, obviously the jubilation of, of, of Miles Boykin and and the catch and um, but I I think statistically speaking, I don't recall that being such a hot game. Um, I'd have to go back and, and look at it. Uh, Camping World Bowl was just that was that was fun. Um, it was fun to to shut up all the people that were on the on on uh matt campbell's riding matt campbell's dick so hard um <laughs> it was fun to have pete sampson eat his words which he's still making jokes about three years later um you know that iowa state team um they should have played a lot better than they did and notre dame just really just said no this is it was a we- lot like the syracuse eight 8- 2018 yes. game. Yeah, this is a what we like do. That. Yeah, exactly. This is what we do. You're you're the new guy in town, but we actually this is this is our jam. And I know there was disappointment that we went to the, the Camping World Bowl and not a New York Six Bowl that year, but um, I, I just I don't know. My recollection was having a lot of fun watching, um, you know, a 33-9 beatdown that was. Um, that actually could have been a lot. That could have been a lot worse. Uh, now, Brock Purdy missed some some stuff, and I remember talking to Greg after that game and saying, you know, he said, well, you know, if he just this this throw is so this throw is probably the best throw of the game, and if he could have just thrown, you know, a couple more of these or whatever. And I remember both of us kind of talking ourselves into how high we were going to be about Brock Purdy the next season, which obviously did not materialize. Um, but you know. I don't know. 2019 is my, my vote, but um, I think it's a little bit of a personal experience just having missed so much of the, the Citrus Bowl. So curious what you guys think. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, see, I will, well, I, I think I'll put you as the, uh, the rubber match um, because I think it's, it's another instance where I enjoy the Camping World Bowl significantly more for viewing purposes. Um, but I think with the 2017 or the, the LSU game, that one is significant because it started the run of double-digit seasons, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if, if Notre Dame doesn't win that game, 
you know, it waits till 18 or whatever and whatever. But right now, Notre Dame can say that they've won double digits every single year since 2017. And that's because, you know, Ian Book to Miles Boykin. So. Yeah, and also, you know, a loss there also negates a lot of what you did in 17 coming off that that four and eight, 16 season. And it right? sets you up with book too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm definitely going with the citrus bowl when I, but I do agree. The, the Iowa state game is a much more fun game to watch, but LSU being the, the whole sec thing, this was the second time Notre Dame beat LSU in a bowl game. Um, you know, two out of what, about the three or four years of whatever it was. Um, it was just, it, it was one of those things. You got the great uh, teabagging moment of Quentin Nelson. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was just, and it was, it was the last time you got to see Quentin Nelson in a Notre Dame uniform, which is significant to me because he's, he should go down as one of the greatest, if, you know, Notre Dame football players uh, to ever play. So there was a lot there. Miles Boykin. I mean, think about LSU. What are they known for? They are they they get into they get into battles about them being DBU, and here's Miles Boykin making this amazing one-handed catch, a juke and racing to the side. And at that point, we had no idea what Miles Boykin's forty time was, right? No, God no. You're looking at Miles Boykin as a, as a more of a possession receiver. We we had that whole kind of like myth built in for a couple of years with with Boykin, but he makes that great catch and run. Um, and it's just, it was, it was an incredible moment and much bigger for the program. Now should, now if, if Notre Dame loses to Iowa state, that I think that's, that's a big red flag. It's a bigger red flag than LSU 17, but at any rate, I, I got to go with LSU 2017. Never not, um, you know, a, a bull win over an SEC team is, uh, apparently is a big deal. If you ask media members. Right, just it doesn't even matter. Could yeah, have, I, it could have been fucking I, Vanderbilt. I, I can't even get behind that. So, all right. So, next, next one, the last one of the first round here, the eight nine seed, uh, Michigan State, number eight seed, Michigan State, two thousand thirteen, and number nine, Utah, two thousand ten. <laughs> um, for me, this is an easy one. I, um, if we're, you know, again. In terms of watchability, that 2013 game is not watchable. But God, what a great, uh, just what a great idea that that Michigan was denied the chance to play for Michigan State was denied a chance to play for a national championship because freaking Tommy Reese and his you know pass uh, defensive pass interference offense uh, was the reason. Um, (laughs) You know, Will Fuller's first first catch uh, as a Notre Dame player was in that game. Um, there's just some, there's some weird shit that went on. I, I rewatched that game a couple of years ago and was like, Ooh, this is really hard to rewatch. So I would definitely not recommend doing that, but, um, I always have a real soft spot for, for that game. It didn't mean much in the, the whole scheme of 2013, but, um, that would be my vote. Um, so you're taking Michigan state. Correct. Okay. I'm going to have to go oppo Jude again, which, which crushes me. Cause I, 
my rationale for picking the Utah game is you have to think about everything that led up to the Utah game, um, where Notre Dame was at as a program, everything that had occurred before then, and then just that win over what was, they were top ten still, right? Um, yeah, they. I think that they were at that point. Um, it's funny that I can't remember that. They ended the season ten and three, if I recall correctly. So yeah, I think that yeah, they, they lost. They had lost before that, but I think they, they got smacked real hard the the week prior by oh, TCU. TCU. I don't want to. Yeah, I want to say TCU. So, yeah. but I just, I mean, that was the start of the four game run that really helped set up sort of the Brian Kelly era, right? That was that was yep. Reese and making his first. It definitely start. saved his ass after the. Uh, after yeah, the Tulsa. Were, I, I mean, and, and really just fit, so much stuff ranked, off the field, too. They ranked 15 at the time. They ended up unranked. So, so yeah, I mean, in terms of a program win, I think that that one was a pretty big one to help. I mean, that's um, that's coming off the Declan Sullivan thing, too. So, yep. I mean, the yep. coming off a of bye, the Declan Sullivan thing, the Tulsa thing, everything, like the cloud around the program was like, it was bad. Yeah, and that was a that was a big turning point. I I can get behind that. So this one kind of tugs at me a little bit. the The Utah game was I think I think that was the last game I went to a game with my dad. Uh, oh, was wow. that game? And we had met up with some like long time like from day one like Subway Domer follower readers. Uh, the Henson family, great guys uh, from here in the great state of Ohio, um, got completely fucked up with them. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, so much so before, like when I got on the bus, we were in, I was in Whitefield. I was swaying hard inside the bus from White uh, to the stadium. Like, like, holy shit. And the big kicker was I was meeting a, a guy that was writing for Subway Doomer at the time for me, uh, Daniel and his entire family, like all of his in-laws were Utah alums. And so I was meeting all of these people and they had tickets that they wanted to give my dad and I. And so we had to like sell ours, uh, cause they wanted to sell us. <laughs> and so somehow I had to like collect myself and to be like somewhere in the realms of sobriety. Cause I was as fucked up as I had I had been at any time for any game. I mean, I was gone. Uh, those Hensons had me lit. Um, so that, you know, in the rain and everything that Brendan said that, the, you know, the, the, where the program was, what that meant. I mean, the students rushed the field and I know like people like to blow the students up for Russian fields and Russian courts and shit, but put yourself back into a college kid's shoes for a fucking minute. Um, and it, <laughs> and quit being a fucking killjoy. Uh, it's okay for the kids to do that if they want. I mean, my God. Uh, we rushed the field against Michigan in 2002 and 2004, for God's sakes. Um, so that all sits, you know, with me in, in, a, in, a, in a pretty, in a personal level. And so that hits pretty hard as, as, as an all-time game. It was a terrible game, by the way, uh, though. It was just a, a bad game. I mean, there was a cool um, fake the, punt. The Blanton block punt. The blue, yeah, the blank block, block punt. I think there was a fake punt too with Harrison Smith, right, running up the oh, gut. I don't remember that. Okay, I think that was Utah. I actually but. don't remember that. 
Well, there's a few things I don't remember from that game, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I could well, be wrong. I could be wrong. None of that is able for me to trump the Michigan State 2013 game. It was just oh, okay. Thir- thirteen I see you. Thirteen to one, Michigan State. We're we're the, I fucking hate Michigan State. Like if you don't if if you people listen to this podcast and and don't know by now. Like they are a, they are number two, SC one, Michigan State two for me, and it is fucking close for me. I people forget like how horrible of a series this was for Notre Dame for years. Like the home team did not win this series, and I don't know how many in a row Michigan State won. It was the fuck Michigan State. I mean, my God, you people like like want to dismiss them. This was hatred, uh, and it's a great historical rivalry. But to be able to be that one blemish on their record that year to keep them from being anywhere near our level was perfect, was absolutely perfect. And the way Notre Dame went about that, even better, because it is a total bitch fest coming from Sparty. Um, it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Uh, Michigan State 2013. I For me, it's an easy pick. It, just being that one blemish on Michigan State's record. The day of the game is just another win, and you're kind of laughing about how it went down, you know, and a couple of eyebrows, you know, like, <laughs> but in the in the grand scheme of it all, and really in the Brian Kelly era, talk about the great wins of Brian Kelly. This is a 13 and one Michigan State team. This is one of your best wins. This is a fucking eight seed somehow. But this is one of your best wins. Period. You go off yeah. of you know Power Five records and and what they were. This is a this was a great D'Antonio team. The no fly zone, you know, that whole shit. So definitely that. All right. We're in the elite eight now, gentlemen. Somehow we made it. Uh, number one, Clemson 2020. Number eight, that Michigan state 2013 team. I mean, it's, it's still Clemson. But let me just tell a, <laughs> let me just tell a quick story about the Michigan State game that I didn't tell in the last round. Um, I'm actually watch I actually watched this game at a tailgate for a game that I went to, which was Michigan and UConn. And the reason that I was at Michigan and UConn was that I had lost a bet to a Michigan fan in which he had literally laid me nine and a half points in the 2012 national championship game, and I thought. Well, Notre Dame loses. They're certainly not going to lose by <laughs> ten or more points. That according to how the season went, and right? My punishment was, was my punishment was not only did I have to buy tickets to the to the game, but I had to wear a Michigan jersey throughout the game. So I think I picked oh the least God, offensive one, which was like Drew Henney, because he had like Tom Brady and some shit or whatever, and it was like Denard Robinson. Fuck that noise. You mean Chad Henney? Uh, Chad Henney. Sorry. Yeah. So um, you wore a Chad Drew- Henney. Jersey. Maybe it's Drew, it Drew Henson. I'm not 100 percent sure, but anyways, regardless, there's a, there's a picture floating out there somewhere. <laughs> if, you, if it's found, it will be resurfaced again. But um, suffice to say, um, it, I'm watching it with a bunch of Michigan fans, and they don't. It's like you know that uh, meme where the the guy's like wiping his brow because he's got two buttons to hit, and it's like Notre Dame wins and Michigan wins or whatever. You know, like or Michigan State wins. Like you know, they want both these teams to like be shot into the sun, right? So at the same time, they're like, they're just confused by the game because they're just like, 
Michigan State is a better team here, but somehow the Notre Dame is winning this stupid game. You know, the coda to that is that Michigan almost lost that night to Connecticut. There was like a, it was Diaco's first season as, as coach, right? Or no, it wasn't. It was, uh, what's his face's last season as coach. Edsel's last um, year. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they almost freaking won that game. And it would have been uh, pretty funny to, to have picked a game, you know, my Michigan friend pick a game uh, that he ended up watching them lose, but they won but they won. So that's the story there. Clemson all the way, buddy. Brandon, you got anything on this game? No, man. I mean, it's, it's the Clemson game. This is uh we're going chalk yeah. here. Definitely chalk. Uh, I will say, uh, Jude, I was, uh, I was at the 2000, maybe Michigan, Washington game. Game day was there. And, um, my shirt, it got ripped. And so I just, and I had a wife beater on underneath it. And so I was just wearing that and we were walking up to the game and my, I took my brother-in-law to that Michigan fan, took him up to that game. I had somebody just give me tickets. I'm like, all right, I'll take Ben. And, uh, someone handed me a Michigan football shirt and I just, I put it off for a half a second. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Took it off, uh, like stuffed in my back pocket. I think I, Pretty sure I just end up giving it to my brother-in-law, but uh, I just ran across some pictures a couple weeks ago of of us inside Michigan Stadium with me with these with the puka shell necklace, the nice. tip hair, and a wife beater. Uh, just <laughs> the the shiny fossil watch, just looking like a true champion. Living the dream uh, in there. So, yeah. anyways, so yeah, I feel you. Um, <laughs> Next matchup here, we got uh, the 12 seed, USC 2017, gets the four seed, Stanford 2012. Oof. Uh, I don't want to go first on this one. I want to hear somebody else. I want to hear somebody else. Okay. I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first. Okay. I am going to take USC 2017. Maybe it's it's uh, maybe it's off of a guilt trip I have right now of, of not having them in the in the seating. <laughs> um, but again, I just I cannot describe how awesome of a game that was, um, and being in person and and just everything that went down with that game. And to get to that point, now mind you, we had Notre Dame had already they had one loss in the books already. It was that game against Georgia, which would have probably been better than the. Clemson 2020 win uh, if we would have won that game. Uh, that That's a podcast for another time. Uh, but it was just, it was the 49-14. I mean, you just couldn't get anything better. That entire draft with Sam Darnold, I couldn't help my, I quote tweeted anything that I saw with Sam Darnold with that score <laughs> of that game. I couldn't fucking stop. I, it, and I did it for like two years. I mean, he was like, you know, struggling in New York. I just would quote tweet that fucking score. That game meant a lot to me. I, and on a personal level. And it was just fun. Stanford 2012. We've, we talked about already and like, it was a great game. And anytime, you know, David Shaw gets to whine about something, it makes it even better. Um, but I'm, I, I have to give it to USC 2017. And again, we could have the, the rivalry debates at, at that time. Stanford was, was a little R. I mean, I think that's almost gone out the window now, or at least it feels 
like it. Uh, but you know, but USC is that big R, um, and that was a big R in your face win um, against a couple of high ranked teams. I mean, it was the it was the last time Notre Dame and SC were as ranked as high as they were in a game together, right? So I'm taking SC yep. with team. So I think I'm going to take Stanford 2012, and I'm actually going to start using maybe your argument or maybe it was Brendan's argument as sort of the reason why here, which is that, you know, the 2012 games carry a little extra significance just because they ran the table throughout that whole season. And while the USC game in 2017 was awesome. And I talked a lot about how awesome it was in the first and, and I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I hate 49, 14 that into, you know, into oblivion. Um, I even made a Christmas decoration with that score on it. Um, I love that game. I absolutely <laughs> love that game. Um, I just think that, you know, the 2012, when you think of 2012, you will automatically, I think, think of that Stanford game and just sort of what that meant. And, you know, if not for, you know, everyone says, oh, you know, if only Stanford had won that game, like it's important to remember that, yes, that was the first game that season where they'd actually trailed in a game, which was kind of remarkable in itself. But Stanford wasn't really ever in control of that game. In fact, if Stefan Taylor had scored there, it just tied the game and then we go into another overtime period. Right. And so it's important to remember that that was not going to be the game winning touchdown, uh, which I think a lot of people misremember. But um, that game had a a huge significance on the on the season and that sort of that feeling of being undefeated and the number one team in the nation. And that none of that happens if they don't do what they did at, at, with Stanford that night. So for me, it's, it's uh, 2012 Stanford, although it pains me to vote against 2017 USC and we'll let, we'll let uh, Brennan be the decider here. I'm going to agree with Jude. Um, I, uh, the Stanford game is just, it's, it's too big of a gate. Like it's, it's one of the seminal moments of the Brian Kelly era, right? So I'm going to have to go with the uh, the Stanford game in that particular instance, just because just the way that it ended, the majesty we discount now looking back on it. But like there's still the, you know, the Linnea angle to it that at the time was just so big. And for Manti coming up in that game, um, it just added to his mystique and his his legend um, that that I can't I can't overlook as much as much as I love the 2017 game. Okay. All right. I mean, I can't, I can argue for SC 17, but I can't argue against uh, Stanford 12. So uh, they move on. Uh, And now we go to a battle of Trojans, the number six seed USC 2012 versus the number 14 seed USC 2010. I'll jump on this one. Um, this is easy because uh, 2012, um, <clears throat> I think the 2010 has greater significance just overall for Brian Kelly and for Notre Dame just getting that USC monkey off their back. Um, so it, for me, this is an easy pick. It is it is US, USC 2010. Um, it was just absolutely monumental to get that victory against USC. And, and the, I go with the image USC, of well, – for the same reasoning I had before it's, you're dancing, you're dancing on their graves heading to the ship. But the image of Lane Kiffin sad spinning his, <laughs> uh, his menu style, uh, play sheet in his hands at the end of that game is just, it, oh, so good. 
No, I agree. I think it's a tough one, but I, I got to go with 12 for the same reasonings I gave uh, already. Jude, you're the, you're the rubber breaker. Yeah, and I think you guys know that I'm the rubber go breaker of Trojans. I'm going to go Jude's 10 hanging. here because I'm going to go 10 here because I voted against 12 in the first round. I'm sure shit not going to vote for it in the second round. So uh, 10 the USC. 14 seed. The St. Peter's of the bracket. Yeah. Florida Gulf Coast. Let's do it. <laughs> no, nah, it's I get it and I respect it. So uh, it was it was a it was a fine, fine battle there. Uh, number seven seed LSU 17 versus number two seed Oklahoma 2012. Just it's it, it, I'll go first. There's just no way you can match up the Citrus Bowl game against on the road in Norman at night um, when you were considerable underdogs um, in a year where you went to the national championship game. Um, so, I mean, it was just it was too much. Man, Tao getting the pick, um, Sierra Wood getting that, that big run to really like start it off. I mean, it was, there was a lot, a lot that went on during that game um, that just, we, we felt foreign if you're a Notre Dame fan um, watching. Like, we just didn't see some of the some of those big moments in that game we haven't been seeing from Notre Dame. Um, and they just they, they kept bringing it out. Um, and, you know, Notre Dame just kept battling, you know, on the road. It's just it is one of the, of all the games in this in this tournament, guys. There's only a, a couple of away games, the like actual away games, you know, the SC games. But like. You got bowl games here. Most of these are at home. This was a this this is a road game, which is, you know, the you know, one of the things Brian Kelly just did not do well at Notre Dame. Big games on the road, just and at night, just were not a thing uh, for BK. Yeah, I mean, things I remember about the 2012 Oklahoma game: Sierra Wood running up the middle. That was cool. Um, Chris Brown's first, I think, did he have two catches that season or just one catch? And if he had one catch, it was in this game. And it was he had like one catch abs- in that game. Absolute fucking <laughs> bomb. Um, the second time they attempted that, they attempted that earlier in the game. Yeah. And got overthrown a little bit. Uh, so they, but they went they went back to it. Manti with the tipped interception. In a time that we we're just like, he just, he just seems to be around the ball all the time. Uh, the, other, the the one negative thing I remember is that the Belldozer, Blake Bell, came in and yeah. and scored the first rushing touchdown against Notre Dame all season, and that was a big a big thing that we all hung our hats on they could, that no one could score there no one's rushing game could score against and Notre that was Dame. important to Oklahoma Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma fans like Oklahoma. they made a big deal about about that that week that that was going to happen yeah. um, and they, they really like they circled that and made that a big deal. So 2012, Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, can I comment on that? I I don't really have a whole lot to add. I mean, it's just the 2012 Oklahoma game was a road game at night in a spot where Notre Dame was an underdog, and they came up huge. All right. On to the final four. Number one seed, Clemson, 2020. Number four seed, Stanford, 2012. I'll go first. 
can't do it. I was gonna I was gonna take Stanford for a minute there, and, and that's why I was gonna go for and no. Clemson twenty twenty. I just again I can't begin to describe the fucking entire off season of what does this mean for the Clemson game? Everything, the media, the entire Notre Dame beat, uh, one writer in particular, and one podcast in particular, everything was about this game. And I'm not, that's not hyperbole. Like they made every little bit, every little thing that happened in Notre Dame and in spring ball and in fall practice and each game leading up about or spring ball, the one practice. Everything about what does this mean for the Clemson game? It's Notre Dame came out, punched Clemson in the mouth, took a couple punches back, and then did the thing that you all that you that we all break out the rosaries for, and you get a last you know a last minute win against this number one was the number one team in the country uh, at the time. So just it, 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 that's just too big. Overlook. So. I'll go second and give something for Brendan to actually do here. Um, and I'll make the argument against Clemson 2020, even though I'll be perfectly fine if it advances here. Um, I, I think Clemson 2020 beating the number one team during the regular season w- was, was great, but the shine came off when we got to play them again in Charlotte and they had all their guys back. And all of a sudden it was, uh, not as competitive and the way that the 2020 season ended um, really kind of uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really diminish 2020 a regular season Clemson, but it just sort of, it, it didn't lead to where we wanted, where we needed it to lead. Um, I think or we thought case, it took us either. Right. I think there, there's a case to be made that 2012 Stanford obviously brought us a lot closer to um, the promised land, although, you know, obviously the last result was what, what we wanted. So um, well, technically was, in 2012, we were in the championship game. So there was no, yeah, there was, um, there was no <laughs> ACC championship game to worry about, at, you know, in 2012. So maybe it's not an apples to apples comparison, but um, I, I think that, you know, when you look at the games that meant so much in 2012, it, it's, it's Oklahoma followed closely by Stanford and if if we're considering that the best Brian Kelly season, then then we should give the Stanford game um, its its due. And so I'll vote Stanford just to to make this last vote by Brendan a little bit more interesting. But uh, really, I I uh, it's hard to it's hard to vote against 2020 Clemson. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm throwing my hat in for 2020 Clemson. Um, just. The fact that it was the number one team, and even if they didn't have all their pieces and whatnot, there were too many good moments in that game, whether or not it was, you know, JOK, uh, scoop and score, right, I guess, um, Kyron on the opening play, uh, whether it was Avery Davis uh, at the end. I mean, it was there was a two minute drill in order to get the game to overtime. And then it was an overtime win against Clemson. I it just, that game was, it was, it's too much to even, to even uh, put up like for all of 2012. I mean, if we want to use significance, they're both significant games in undefeated regular seasons. Um, 
so I'll lean back on replay rewatchability. I will watch the Clemson oh. game a hundred out of a hundred times if I'm yeah. That's that's too. fair. That's fair. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's it's it's a great point. I mean, it's just it was too much. All right. Um, next one, two thousand or excuse me, uh, fourteen seed, two thousand and ten USC <laughs> against the number two seed Oklahoma, two thousand twelve. I'm not really sure there's much to say here. I mean, 2012 Oklahoma, until the Clemson game came along, was, I think, the sort of unanimous pick among among fans and media members for the best win of the Brian Kelly season uh, era. And um, I think it still holds a, a great importance in, um, in sort of when we look back on that on that era as a whole. And, you know, while I've championed 2010 USC for a couple of rounds here, it just it's to me, it's no contest. It's 2012 Oklahoma. Brennan. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not even really much of a contest. Um, I have a lot right. of, uh, you know, good feelings about the 2010 game. Um, but let's be honest, 2012, uh, Oklahoma game is one of the best of the last 30 years. So, and also remember that if Mitch Mustaine's uh, pass doesn't fall incomplete when the guy was absolutely wide open, because Harrison Is that Robert Smith, Woods. Yeah. Yeah. Harrison. Yeah. Fell, yeah. It was Robert Woods. fell down. Uh, this we, yeah. we'd be talking about the 2010 USC game in a lot of different terms. So well, it wouldn't be on this bracket. Yeah, it would <laughs> not be on this bracket. It would be in the top 10 most heartbreaking losses, I think. So we probably might have a different bracket. I mean, freaking Mitch Mustaine almost beat us. That's crazy. And just, you know? And, you know, another thing too, about that Oklahoma game was, um, <clears throat> Greg Bryant was an Oklahoma commit before that game. Hmm. So, I mean, uh, obviously the, uh, the, you know, the tragedy, the tragic tale of, of Greg Bryant, um, you know, it, as far as, what he did at Notre Dame wasn't a whole lot, um, but it was one of those recruiting victories that you get after a big win. Um, I guess is more or less what I'm saying that, that we just weren't used to, you know, the five star type running back um, going to Oklahoma is normal for Notre Dame at that point. It was not. Um, and so beating them and, and getting him to decommit commit to Notre Dame was a, was a kind of a, one of those things that you get out of these big games. Um so I guess that's my only other thing to add, and that's certainly the way, it, um, way it's supposed to be. So making uh, pretty much this entire bracket pointless other than the fill some <laughs> podcast time. <laughs> get some upsets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, good discussion. Good discussion. Yeah. Fun times. Uh, all right, guys. What was the greatest win in the Brian Kelly era at Notre Dame? Was it 2020 Clemson or was it 2012 Oklahoma? I'll go first. I stand by the 2012 Oklahoma and the against 2020 Clemson. And honestly, I wasn't there until Jude gave his, his, uh, his reasonings against for Clemson against Stanford. <laughs> it was kind of the, I mean, honestly, it, it was kind of the way that ended. And <clears throat> I mean, if you really think about, I mean, not having the not having those guys that for as much fun as we had on the podcast and as much fun as we will continue to have about that game, you know, not having Trevor Lawrence or or Skalski or the you know, and um 
Oh, the defensive tackle, uh, um, Davis, right? Tyler Davis. Was that who it was? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a big ding. Like the, like, as in a kind of like, it didn't matter. Um, that Oklahoma game, man, that is just like, again, it's a much bigger deal in the, in the scheme of things of that season. Now, if Notre Dame doesn't, you know, if Notre Dame doesn't beat Clemson in this game, they're still playing Clemson in the ACC championship game. So, you know, I guess there's a little bit of uh, you kind of kind of the way the ACC championship was. Didn't matter if Notre Dame lost, they're heading to the playoffs. Um, but that Oklahoma 2012 game, there's just there's too many good vibes out of that that in that season and that time. It was just um, it was an avalanche of, of feelings. Uh, again, and stuff that we hadn't had as Notre Dame fans for a very, very long time. And I, I just, I, I, I can't get past that. I can't get past the way winning that game and the way that season wore on, how that made me feel as a fan. Um, and so how, looking back at how big that was, Bob Stoops at night in Norman, it just, it was too much. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma 2012. Um, What do you think? Brendan, you want to go next or you want me to go next? Um, well, I, I'll go next. Um, okay. I'm going to agree with Josh. Oh, ship <laughs> it. Whoa. Okay. Uh, the reason why is because a lot of the same things that he said is even though this Oklahoma team ended up getting their doors absolutely blown off in the bowl game against Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M, and maybe they weren't that good. It was a big road game um, against a team at full strength. Um, just something about that, I think, gives the game the fact that it's a road game. And that if we're looking at the Brian Kelly era, there are, like was mentioned, there aren't that many of these large, if any, big road wins like this. So I give uh, I give credence to the fact that it's a road game. Um, when, when I'm picking this one, I think maybe we should do a rewatch of this game. I don't know. I mean, that was kind of a, a pandemic thing that we did, but I, you know, I, I'm just realizing that there's a lot about this game that I really don't remember. Um, so uh, look, it's already two, nothing. So we can do that o- this off season. Oklahoma is going to prevail here. So let me just make the case for, for 2020 Clemson. Um, you know, the pandemic was really tough. Um, I think it was really tough to have the uncertainty of, are we going to have a season? And then, you know, the affiliation with the ACC, um, the loss of the Georgia Tech game, or not Georgia Tech, a Wake Forest game uh, due to COVID issues within the, the, the program, sort of shortened season or whatever. And so Clemson was our opportunity to bring the number one team in the, in the country to our stadium and recapture a little bit of that Notre Dame magic at a time that, um, you know, we, we just so desperately needed that distraction. And, you know, I just think about what it meant to have to watch, um, you know, Ian book run that, that two minute drill to see Avery Davis have his little moment to shine to the idea that, you know, everything felt so, um, impossible with about a minute and whatever it was 30 seconds left and 
it suddenly became possible because enough people believed. And I, I, I also have really fond memories of getting on the podcast with you all and, and Greg and, and just talking about how jubilant we were and just that we hadn't had that kind of um, that moment to, to really share and talk about for a long, that was long the best time. Podcast ever. And we, and we yeah. carried that, you know, for several weeks afterwards. And yeah, by December 19th, when we were playing Clemson in, in Charlotte, you know, obviously the, the shine got taken off a little bit on that season, but um, between November 7th and, you know, and, um, and the 19th, like, I mean, we were just riding at just extreme high uh, in terms of feeling that we were sort of um, un- unbeatable and that teams like North Carolina, that everyone was like, watch out for, for North Carolina on a Friday <laughs> around Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Mac like, Brown, Mac, baby. Mac Brown's going to have it going on. Um, you know, I think we were still thumping our chest pretty, pretty big at that point. So um, a lot of great players, a lot of great plays. Uh, love, love, love that Clemson game, and it's really rewatchable. Yeah, I'm like, it's a, it's a you don't want the one and two seed, That's it. so it's a, it's like, it's a close one. But, um, you know, I'm gonna have to, I, I'm, I'm gonna do that this weekend. I think I'm gonna re-listen to that, to our. I, if you guys don't, if you, if you're just getting into the, uh, to the one foot down podcast, um, uh, go ahead and uh, scroll on down to that post Clemson victory podcast. We did it right after the game. I mean, immediately after <laughs> did, did Greg join us like, like an hour in? No, I think he was there for the onset. I think, <laughs> I, well, here's the thing. I was so impossibly drunk in that <laughs> podcast. Like impo- I, I think I probably drank three, three quarters of a fifth. Going into that podcast, I was unbelievably drunk. Unbelievably I, I just remember, drunk. like, I just remember completely fucking up the recap, like several times, like trying to get it, get it ready to set to go out. And you know, obviously, it's a little harder with overtime and having that problem. Like, I'm like, oh my god, how much bourbon did I drink? Like, holy shit! Uh, and then we're gonna record a podcast. <laughs> And then the four of us get on there and you can tell we're all four pretty well, well lubricated. Yeah. I mean that, that if you know, you're undergrad, that's the night that every single person decides to throw a party all of a sudden, like the, the dorm party that you could not convince your roommates to throw all season, all of a sudden everyone's getting laid. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, that was, you know, for, for older guys like us, that would have been, if we were all in person, we'd all been hugging each other and jumping up and down and acting like effing idiots. And, you know, and and that, and that exuberance comes through on, if you listen to that podcast, that's what I remember the most. It's just how just beside ourselves with drunken joy we were. And that that's absolutely true because many drinks were consumed that night. Cause it was a long game. It was a long game. Now, my, my question, if we were doing a podcast after the 2012 Oklahoma game, it'd be, it would have been a lot like that. Like that was like, uh, Wes, you know, got the, I got the phone call after that game. That was what that season was just like, we we're about in tears about just how that game went. And so, yeah, I would, I would, that'd been fun to, to try to do, uh, you know, post game on that. But yeah, yeah, man, that Clemson game, go, go listen to it. Seriously. Give us another download. Go listen to that podcast. That was, that's just a fun time. 
That's I'll tell you what, fun, t- joy. T- 2012 would have been would have been wild the podcast during because we thought Michigan oh, State shit. was good. So beating Michigan State uh, on the road, uh, Le'Veon Bell like would have been a jubilant podcast. Johnny the Goodman fun, catching the, catching the yeah, top yeah, ten exactly. top fair ten catch, win. Fair catch, Goodman. Um, the next weekend, just the the tr- absolute train wreck, but yet beating our our 18th ranked rival, uh, Michigan. That would have been a fun recap. Snapping um, the streak. So yeah, Stanford, obviously, we've talked about ad nauseum here. That would have been a fun recap. And then Oklahoma. I mean, we just we would have been so spent that by the time Pitt came by, it would that pit recap would have been just so difficult to do. It was like, well, we won. We're still yeah, that's back fourth, when I wasn't doing recaps, right? <laughs> we're still the fourth <laughs> ranked team. Like Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. So. Uh, this is a basin run. So, well, I'm glad we got the uh, we got through all that. And so I did uh, something I skipped early on in the podcast, but um, we don't have any reviews tonight. But I do want to take this moment real quick to remind everybody to get your asses over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. Brandon, what kind of review are we looking for? Uh, we're looking for those earned Jeremiah Wusukoromoa five stars. Absolutely. And whatever review that you leave, I will read on the next OFT podcast. If you've been a listener for a while, you know how that goes. It's pretty much anything fucking goes. So uh, what you put on there, I will read. Um, and I think we're going to get pretty spicy during this offseason. And I'm, I'm still counting. Uh, there's a gentleman count uh, for spring as the, as the offseason. Uh, hopefully we're going to get a lot more uh, in more in-depth stuff uh, rather than just like Telling you, Jude, I'm just getting beat down with just the lip service interviews. Mm. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I was, we were, I was talking with Brendan last week about uh, Freeman, and it's just like I've heard him too much. You know what I mean? Like, like there's been, it's great for the beat and for fans, but it's just like there's been just so much of him and the openness, and it's great to get these guys in. But it just there's nothing to base it off of, right? Like it's just like there's been a lot of things being said. And I'm just, I'm a little, I'm wore thin just a wee bit. Um, and that's no, that's no fault to Marcus Freeman or to his staff or, or, or even Notre Dame. I'm just saying, it's just like, there comes a point where I've heard the same coach speak a couple of times over on basically I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm not, I can answer the question for him if I need to. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I guess what my concern is a little bit, and we, we've talked about this with, with Greg in our, in our private conversations, but the, the, some of the word salads that have been coming out, um, it doesn't sound like, I, I think he was asked less than a week ago about the sort of the mental performance edge. Obviously that was something that Brian Kelly found really valuable with, with Dr. Selking and, um, the response from, from Marcus Freeman was, was as clear as mud. I, I didn't get a real sense of if he prioritized it, if he, he said he thought it was important, but it wasn't like it, it. It wasn't clear to me whether he wanted to enhance what was already done, if he wanted to overhaul the system, if he wanted to not do any of that stuff, do something completely different. You know what I mean? Like it just. I, I kind of thought that he got put in a in a spot because I mean, what the what the question wanted the the answer that they wanted the people wanted was why didn't he retain Dr. Selke? And nobody asked him that point blank. 
And so when you, when you beat around the bush about with a question that deserves a, that really needs to be a, a you want the answer, well, you should ask the straight up answer or a question to get more of a straight up answer. And so he was given the kind of lob around the side. And so he delivered a lob around the side the other way, like tetherball. It's that's That's going to make it look like it's going to be confusing. Right. Like uh, the, the real, the real answer that everyone wanted was why he didn't keep Dr. Sulking. And I don't care either way. I mean, well, and, and I, it is, is it something you can just, I mean, can you say something as simple as, that that's the old regime. Like Selking is to me is tied very closely to Brian Kelly. I don't Brian Kelly. She, correct. I don't she know was a she Brian has. Kelly employee, right. not a Notre Dame employee. And so, but I mean, if that, so why isn't I, the, why ask the question? Like, like if we already knew that she wasn't there and so, and that was well, because she was a BK. I think it's so like, important I, to understand what your head coach thinks about the importance of the mental performance edge, you know, and, and if there's something, if it's worth, you know, if, if resources are, um, you know, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, but I think that's somewhat a finite, question. You know, I think the answer that everybody, the, what everybody wanted to know, they wanted to know what, why he didn't keep her. And then I think you thought, then you can follow that up with what he thinks important is what you're looking for. Jude. Yeah. I just, so, but the way that it was, the question was asked, the way the question was answered, just kind of left everybody with just kind of like a, huh? Yeah, okay. You know, I mean, it was just, there wasn't anything there. And that's where we are in the spring. We're talking about the non retention of a non Notre Dame employee. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Recruiting should be heating up. <clears throat> We're hoping. Dante Moore is going to be visiting Notre Dame on uh, Monday. Um, I haven't been really been doing a whole lot of recruiting articles. Um, and a lot of that has to do with my lack of faith in Notre Dame and, and I and NIL right now. Like I'm not going to, I don't want to say waste my time, but right now it feels like a big, big feeling out of like which kids are going to get what, what deals where. And I'm just not into that. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, tomorrow or today, if you're listening, uh, I'll be interviewing Matt Brown from Extra Points Newsletter, my old boss here at SB Nation. Um, he does a lot of he uh, very knowledgeable and does a lot of the stuff uh, with NIL. Going to bring him on uh, for 20, 30 minutes or so, um, and just asking some questions about NIL, about uh, you know Notre Dame's place in the college football world under the NIL process what he thinks they're doing right, what he thinks they're doing wrong, um, you know, just some stuff like that. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, but, yeah, Dante Moore coming on campus. I think we're all kind of looking for a quick – like historically, in the last decade, decade and a half, quarterbacks have been committing early. Right, Brendan? Like it's a it's an early commit for a quarterback, and then they help you recruit the rest of your class, Right. Typically, that's how it goes. Your quarterback, a lot of times, for a lot of these guys, is <clears throat> there. Your for Notre Dame, that hasn't been the case. You know, Blake Fisher was a pretty big recruiter for guys, um, right? But for Huge. a lot of other a, a lot of other teams, it's the it's the quarterback. Um, and we've already seen what two of the two of the top five have already committed so far. Uh, quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty 
Well, I there's only there's only three left on Notre Dame's six offers. But like one of so, them's Arch Manning. Yeah, <laughs> he's not coming. Malachi uh, Nelson, right? He's committed. Um, Nico's committed to Tennessee. Yeah. So it's Notre uh, Dame's number one is Moore, and, and next next down would be Vizina. Yeah, Vizina. Uh, but 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 the way that you have to recruit Vizina because Moore is number one doesn't exactly give put you in a good spot. Should more decide to go somewhere, you know, what I mean, like that could rub Vizina the wrong way. Yeah, and a lot easier for someone to scoop in and him him be their number one rather than Notre Dame's number two. It's an right. easy thing to recruit against. Yeah, half the so three out of the top six quarterbacks this class have already committed. So it's it's definitely a thing that that these. I know that there there's definitely some positive vibes coming from Notre Dame about his, his recruitment. And I there's look, there's no crystal balls on 24 seven for him at all. And then on, on three, um, there's a few of them. I think Notre Dame has like a 60, 60 something to 17% lead on their prediction uh, thing. Mike Singer threw one in uh, about a month or so ago, but not that any of that matters, but I mean, to not have any crystal ball picks in 24 seven with all the guys that can put on that, that kind of tells you that things are getting played a little close to the vest. Um, so we're, we're just really not sure. Um, I think the things that are being said is that he would commit, you know, the summer to a school, but there's also things being said that they could be shut down pretty soon. So does that happen this month still? Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, I really couldn't say it's definitely an interesting thing and it's, Look, this is the this is the thing, right, guys? You know, if, if you take yeah, you, they took you took Trevor Lawrence off the field, five star quarterback against Notre Dame in twenty twenty, and you brought in a five star quarterback, and he set a fucking Notre Dame opponent record for yards being passed. Like these quarterbacks are important. Like this is the this is the piece that everyone says. A lot of people say Notre Dame's been missing. So. This is a huge recruitment, like as big as that, big as any player for the last, you know, five years plus. So they got to knock, they got, got to knock this out. No, uh, <laughs> I know our NIL podcast last week, Brendan and I were pretty pessimistic about <laughs> not getting anybody because <laughs> we just are not, you know, Notre Dame fans just don't have the, the bases and have the stomach for the NIL world. They just don't. The alumni, the alumni, the fans, they just they don't have the stomach to put in the work touting out three grand in the pocket from the NFT stuff is not. BYU walk ons got more value from their NIL deal than the NFT thing. Just let that sink in. And I'm not and look, I'm not trying to bash. The, I'm not bashing the NFT thing. I'm not it has nothing to do with it. What I'm saying is in the world of NIL. The things that are going on across the country, the value that Notre Dame players are getting compared to elsewhere is not there. That could change and it, it and all that stuff, but as of right now, it is not there. Well, if you want to insist on taking a snapshot in time, then you're absolutely right. But I think maybe what's being built is going to be more beneficial to Notre Dame players in the long term than than a you know, one-off deal for the entire um, BYU team sponsored by a, you know, the uh, nutrition bar or something. So, 
I, I get it. I get, I was actually surprised myself by the response to the $3,000. It felt like a lot of people were seeing that as, as significant. I saw that as sort of a, a building block and, and that, you know, yeah, $3,000 by itself doesn't sound like a lot. It certainly sounds like a lot more than zero, but, um, I think there's a lot more that can be accomplished and whether it's Irish players club or hopefully another, um, you know, another something that's, uh, you know, more significant. I, I welcome it all. I welcome it all. Because well, I hope it's something more significant because that, 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 that ain't going to cut it. <laughs> that, that, that is not going to, going to cut it. And well, I, 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 but the if they're going to compete with, I don't, I don't think you have any sense of like what, what it could possibly be. It's not, is it ever going to be $8 million? No, of course not. It's not going to be $8 million, but could it also make Notre Dame more competitive than they are now? Absolutely. So I, mean, I don't I see how, okay. I just don't see how I, mean, I, 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 I don't, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I understand. I would, I, understand. Say, I would I would say from the beginning that you haven't actually taken that much of an interest in, in seeing how you may more taken an interest in just dunking on shitty art, which is, which is fine. No, no, no. Except, my, no, my, my bigger interest was if this was making to make, to make money for the players. If we're, if there's things being done in the NIL world, you want to make as much money for them as possible because that makes Notre Dame more attractive and whether or not I'm dunking on shitty art or not, the single fact is you actually limited the amount of money that you can make off that initial thing with the 5,555. And I, my whole point was like, you could have just gave all the other stuff that everyone says, like, well, don't worry about the art. It's all this other stuff. We well, could have done all that other stuff and cut that from 200 to 100. And you probably would have got three or four more times people signing up for that. So you're I, making more money. You should definitely it, ask Matt Brown about that. Yeah, and, and got, no, dude, I don't know if you read the I don't know if you read the article in the Athletic where they profiled what Penn State's doing. Um, but Penn State is doing essentially what Josh is advocating for, where they had an alumni booster who's setting up um, sort of what Notre Dame's doing with a players club, and there's an NFT component where you can bid on NFTs. But primarily, it's about people buying in at fifty to two hundred dollars. And they're joining in in order to um, get get the money to these players. They have they have some kind of name for it. I think I put it in our DMs, the actual article for it, and the sort of uh, avenues that Penn State is is moving towards. And for as much as we like to make fun of James Franklin, this was something that he highlighted in February as being a primary um, mission statement for the university in order to explore and expand out these sort of opportunities. And that's not something that I've seen from Notre Dame, Notre Dame football, Notre Dame university at all. I haven't heard any sort of, um, message statement from the football program or the university about the steps that they're taking in order to help players maximize their NIL offers. I haven't heard anything like, I haven't heard calls for it. Um, it's been perform well. Yeah, it, it, it's been pretty it's been pretty silent on on that particular front. And that's been sort of discouraging for me. Um, I like a lot of the things Market Freeman's doing with recruiting, but this is the new recruiting and you need to get on this soon. You can't be the last one showing up to the party when all of these other programs have these things in place. <clears throat> I, I agree with you about the snapshot, the snapshot in time. I think that's a that's a great way to to put it. And I, I, so I agree with you there, but the problem is, is like, like time is moving fast 
and players are going elsewhere. And the, the, the longer that there's a delay on getting something real set up, like something that can actually com- come close to competing um, elsewhere. Like again, no one, right. no, no, right. Notre Dame's and not so, going to get a player for $8 million. That's just, so, that's not going to happen. And so let's talk about, well, let's talk about this. I a hundred percent agree with you. I think Irish players club came out of the fact that there was a vacuum in this space and no one was rushing to fill it. And some, and so these former players were like, shit, if, if the university is right. going to stick their thumb up their ass, then we might as well get in here and make a couple of bucks, right? And so, I was agree. it the perfect solution? Absolutely not. Was it uh, was it was it better than uh, waiting for the university to to finally uh, get its NIL act together? I think so. Um, no, but I'm also I, I very, very excited about you. what what the university can um, facilitate in the future. And I I'm very annoyed by the idea that. This, the university's current policy is, well, we'll just we'll just tell you if you can be eligible or not, but we're not going to help you hunt for deals or we're not going to be able to, you know, we're not going to get a booster club collective going. And that came whatever. out of a meeting with a five star wide receiver that has been on your number, you know, one of your number one guys for this class for the last couple of years and then an entire visit dedicated to just NIL stuff. And your their best pitch was. We're going to help you on social media, which in the grand scheme of things, Notre Dame's social media team or that team, but the, their social media presence doesn't hold a candle to a lot of the big state use. We're going to help you with social media. And then if you perform well, we'll help you find that is not the answer to give to a five-star wide receiver. I, it just isn't that is, that is a, that is the wrong answer to give. And that, that's what set Brennan and I over the edge and then looking back on it, it's just like something needs to be in place. No, I have, I completely understand them coming in and, and doing the Irish Players Club. I get all of that. I'm, but my big thing is like that's not even remotely enough. And I use the example of the BYU scholarship players because I think that's just a a, a, a nice, easy example. Like they, each one of those walk-ons got more value out of their NIL deal than any player that's involved in that in the IPC. And it, we're just talking about straight up dollars and cents. And value and three grand is more than zero. I get it, but it's also, it's not the same as a year's worth of tuition and value. And so where, where is that going to come from? And Brendan and I were, you know, concerned. I I'm not losing sleep over this, but my big thing is like Notre Dame <clears throat> and Jim Harbaugh even talked about this with about Michigan, I think today or yesterday. And we've made that comparison on the podcast was there's just not a stomach for this, for a lot of these things. So how is that going to affect this program moving forward? Because no matter what, I, I mean, no matter what the great thing that they come up with, it's still not going to hold a candle to what some of these schools that have long been doing this under the table and now get a green light. So how are we going to, how is that going to affect Notre Dame moving forward? And how do you, how do you recruit against that? And, you know, you got the, we have the right guy, we think as the head coach right now, but a lot of the, his stuff that has worked and would make him a great recruiter is, you know, for is getting negated because of a sack of cash and which is unfortunate. Um, so you just kind of want to see the university move a little quicker, have something set more set in stone. Everyone there knew what was going on and to not have something more organized from the university right now is a, is a fucking travesty. Uh, right. And <laughs> it's and, just, and, and I, I guess what, that's what my point is, which is, 
save your ire for the university and its slow ass response. I, I have, I, I, well, and again, I'm biased because I'm, I'm an IPC member, but like the idea that you would, that, that there, there would be any hate towards people who are trying to do something when the university is literally sitting on its, on its hands, um, strikes me as, as being, as being mad at the wrong people, you know? No, 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 no. So, I'm not, there's, there's no anger from me. I'm just, I'm just calling it, I'm, I view it as me just calling it out for what it is. And I mean, and it's which is fine. That's not a major diss, but I'm just saying like this isn't like fans are pointing to this um, and, and like saying like, well, if you don't like it, then how many do you have? Well, that's not the fucking point. The point is what could be made. And I have no anger towards IPC. Everything, everything is good. And this wasn't something from the university. Someone, someone else did. But it's just it's not enough. It's not anger. It's just saying, well, that's that's cool and all, but that's just nowhere near. Uh, what needs to be enough. So no, it's not that. And I, yeah, I'm going to make fun of NFTs and stuff because I, <laughs> it's NFTs. Uh, but no, there's, uh, there's no anger about what they're doing and what they're trying to do. That, absolutely not. I just, I just don't think that that's anything. That's not a, that's not the, uh, the thing to point at as, Oh, there it is. Like, like that's not even close to what is needed. Oh, I mean, I got some, I, I got some good questions. I think for Matt tomorrow and things I want cleared up. Um, and a lot of Notre Dame fans will shout out, uh, you know, well that's cheating, that's cheating. Well, if the NCAA isn't isn't doing anything about it, is it really cheating? You know, if, if you break a rule and, and nothing and it's open and nothing happens, is it really breaking a rule? Uh, you know, kind of like curfew and kids sometimes, you know, if they don't get in trouble for being, for being 20 minutes late, were they really late? Um, so I don't know. It's an interesting time. And if you just, you want them to take this, be able to take this moment because we are uncertain about how the season's going to go. Right. Like I, I think we have a good football team, but you have this new coach, new staff and a tough schedule. And things can get sideways. You just want to make sure sh- you kind of want to know that your best foot forward in recruiting is is being put out there. Um, and I can't say that is the case be- when you start comparing it to some of the other programs out there and what they're able to do. So it's tricky, man. And I hate talking about this shit more than anything. <laughs> so I'm going to stop. <laughs> Uh, God, I'd rather, t- I'd rather go back to the fish sandwich, uh, debate. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about push a T putting that, uh, that diss track out on McDonald's. I like push man, but I don't like him dissing my, my fish filet. Uh, well, let's finish this up. We've been here long enough. Put in the work. Jude, what do you got left in the tank? Uh, just one thing I, you know, I, um, took a little mini vacation with my, with my father, went to a music festival and, uh, missed out on some good, um, the Dame women's lacrosse action. The, uh, the ladies are up to four and five on the season, which may not sound impressive. Um, if you're just looking at wins and losses, but they're actually ranked but where 14th. they were, but yes, yeah. they're actually ranked 14th in the nation and they've won two in a row. So, um, I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that they're going to end up with a great season, 
they play the uh, seventh ranked, I believe, seventh ranked Duke Blue Devils. I'm sorry, eighth ranked Blue, Duke Blue Devils. Um, not well. As you're listening to this podcast, it would be Saturday. So Saturday at one, and then the number one ranked North Carolina um, Tar Heels. They're going to go down to North Carolina and play them April second. So couple huge stretch of games coming up. Obviously, if they could win uh, one of these, it would be absolutely huge. I don't think any expectation that they beat North Carolina, but uh, games against Boston College, who is the number two team in the nation, is upcoming as well. And new ACC member Pitt, Pitt, their first year having a women's lacrosse team, uh, is also on the schedule coming up. So um, suffice to say, I'm still very interested in in the ladies. And my favorite player, Maddie House, scored seven goals in the last game. So I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, super bummed that it actually happened during a time that I was uh, indisposed and couldn't watch the game, but uh, happy for for her and for the team. So, and they're also raising money for um, for cancer research as they do every year through a program called Daughters for Dads. So, if you feel so inclined, they're getting very close to their. I think it was a ten thousand dollar goal that they were trying to raise. So, look for them on social media. Excellent. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I always super excited when uh, the football rivalries trickle down into other sports. Hell yeah! So having Pitt in the ACC, that's that's fun. That's a fun time. Yeah. You know, that's like playing. I mean, Notre Dame, and Michigan have their own hockey rivalry, but you know, the football thing, the football aspect, oh, makes it more fun. So yeah, well, and, Pitt and, and the men just played Michigan and uh, men's lacrosse. So yeah, yeah, I mean, that's it's super good. Yeah, Michigan's legit uh, in a lot of sports, and so it makes for good rivalries. Excellent. All righty. Well, I'm glad to get you back on the uh, the attack this season, Jude. Brendan, my friend, what do you got left in the tank? Oh, man, I got nothing. I'm just uh, excited to get back to playing some Elden Ring, man. Is that is that the thing right now? That's the thing. It's very good. I heard it was pretty tough. It, uh, yeah, all the Soulsborne games are very tough. Uh, they're the only video game that's not on the Switch that I that I play these days as a father. Uh, but yeah, it's it's very fun, very difficult. All right. Oh, man, I don't even know what the what the boys have been playing lately. But uh, <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> I uh, it was just me and Dylan in the house today. And I was trying to figure out what to do, and I didn't want to do any video games or anything like that with them. So I broke out Battleship and then had the 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 motion picture soundtrack for Battleship playing, which is very intense. Very, very fucking intense. So Dylan and I battled uh, Battleship with this just intense music. And uh, Carrie gets there and walks, <laughs> and she's like, what the hell is going on? We're like staring each other down. Uh, it was It was a good time. Definitely not the uh, the video game style, though. All right. Well, that's it for for this whole this whole show. I'm super happy that uh, got the three of us back together again. Always disappointed when we don't uh, have the voice of reason, Jude, with us. Last week we could have had an nil discussion last week, and Jude told me before the podcast he goes, "I thought you guys were on point," and then here he is at the end of the podcast, like, "But I'm going to argue." I mean, I literally argued against number one Clemson and then defended it. So clearly, I just love to argue. I guess, I guess you're like, oh I, yeah, you know what you guys said. What I you mean, guys said was I'll, fine. I'm like, oh, cool. All, all kidding aside, um, 
you know, I missed you guys and, and it's great, it's great to be back. And thank you to everyone who reached out and said, um, you know, that they, they missed hearing me. I, I, I always, re- I always tell my wife that people actually miss me because I, I go back to first principles, which is when I told her I was going to be on a podcast and that we were going to talk for two and a half, three hours, she's like, who the hell's going to listen to that? And, um, I hear from, from a lot of you every single week and I'm just, I'm so glad to have this little community and, and, uh, I appreciate all the, um, the feedback that we get from you guys, especially when I do something dumb, like, you know, type too loud or, uh, click on my phone or whatever, or sniffle or something like that. So eating chips. Yeah. I've been been guilty of all that shit. So, um, you know, feel free to keep me in check and keep me humble on that stuff too. And, and I promise you that Brendan and I are going to drag Jude into the role-playing, uh, action. This, we are definitely doing, um, uh, Notre Dame Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah. I'm uh, pumped for that. This off season. We are, <laughs> I, we are definitely fucking I, doing that. I, I gotta be honest with you, but like, Oh, I've had a probably, uh, you know, I'm 42 years old. I probably have had like a 35 year, um, curiosity about Dungeons and Dragons, but never actually had anyone like drag me into anything. So I'm, I'm kind of, a mildly curious, I guess I would say. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm still not sure how we're going to go about that, but we, that has been a, has been on the, on the docket for uh, a long time now. And it's going to come, it's going to come into fruition this off season. I swear to God. Okay. Well, all right. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us here for this, uh, for this time. Appreciate it. And, uh, get, get, get everybody to start downloading this show. Fucking get every, get on the train, get people on the train, drag them, just drug them. Don't drug them, but drug them. Uh, and you know, get it, <laughs> take their phones and download our show. Uh, get everybody listening to this. Uh, we're all having a good time. Uh, so for Brendan and for Jude, for everyone over at one foot down, thanks for listening. And as always go Irish. <laughs> <laughs>